Explain oh, the to cover now. at the end. All right. Shh. Shh. Ooh. There's the titles. Keep the fucking noise down. Luke, I oh fuck! What what's the what's the the, the oh what oh, the new oh, one? Yeah, Luke, I am your uh, stepfather. Luke, you're my father. If you are from a different reality, that's or it. Gay robots. R two D two. Where are you? That's <laughs> it. You know, Anthony oh, Daniels I... is a puffer, don't you? Who's he? C three PO. C three PO. Yeah, everyone knows that. Well, C three PO is, isn't he? You didn't know he was. You didn't even know who he was. How could you possibly have known he was a puffer? Because I know C-3PO is a gay robot. <laughs> just, just listen to him and the, the mannerisms. Of course he's gay. He's like um, that guy in Are You Being Served? In fact, I thought that was... <laughs> Kenneth Williams. <laughs> yeah, I thought Kenneth Williams was C-3PO. It's not Kenneth Williams. It's... Uh, what's his name? No, <laughs> he's the other one. John Humphreys. John Humphreys, that's John it. Hum yeah, I thought John Humphreys was C-3PO. No, John Inman, Mr. Humphreys. John Inman is the actor, isn't it? And he's Mr. Oh, John, John Inman. Inman, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah in, in, in Man by Name and Nature. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's been brought to my attention today, again with the Americans trying to convince us like their months, days, years system is logical. Uh, it was the Skull and Bones uh, holiday uh, a few days ago because it was the third month of the 22nd day, Year of Our Lord 2022, which is now known as uh, Christian Era, or CE. Yeah, um, Christian Era. So, so, no, I thought it was Common Era. Christian Era. Well, uh, yeah, the Christian Era, and that's why yeah. BC is yeah, before Christian, Christian Era. Yeah, Christian Era and before Christian Era. The the common part of common era yeah. refers to the common yeah, there's, event. What there's a there's there. some people who are from the uh, Mandela Effect universe think think it stands for common era, but it actually stands for Christian era. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or atheists who and yeah, and they think that history. they think that Sherlock Holmes said elementary, my dear Watson, <laughs> but he never did. Just, he never said that. Don't don't you just love the 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 logic of atheists? It's uh. It's you know what we'll we'll start we'll still start from Christ's birth, but we'll just call it common era instead. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pain in the arse otherwise. What, isn't happened, it? what happened that year? What happened that year when we started well, common you know, era? It, what it what happened the, in that year? Common, 
the common event what happened what made the era yeah. it's just you know it's just common it's co- commonly known as the christian era that's why it's common era yeah it's it's just a shorthand way of saying the common era commonly known as the as christian we all commonly era. know that's when yeah. jesus was born and it's also that thing you do if you're a freeman on the land not to be confused with my good friend freeman on the sand yeah. where you go and you, you say, if your name's John Smith, you say, I am John, commonly known as John of the family Smith. Mm. And then it's, you can't get arrested mal- then. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. The police, then, the police then can't, can't smash your car window and drag you out like they did in that America video. What, what you've got, you got to do then when they say you're under arrest is you say, I, I don't stand under. Yeah. When they say, do you understand what I've said to you? you when say, there's you four of them beating you to the floor with their truncheons, you go, I don't stand under. I still don't stand under. I, I, I'm merely travelling on the land and uh, I, I I don't need a, a licence because that's like a birth certificate and things. But anyway, 322222 is uh the is the skull and uh bones holiday so there you go why is that oh because skull and bones their numbers three two two why i don't know why alex jones told me that but that's their number but they, he won't they tell you why that... is he part of the conspiracy Ah, that, that's the thing. I mean, why is it that skull and bones have the number three two two as their call sign? Yeah. It's probably true if Alex Jones says it is, because yeah. the, the, there's a surprising amount of things he said that have come true. Alex Jones would not tell a lie. I know this for a fact. I, I know if I was to have a tip jar with the number of times Alex Jones has been right in it, I would have enough for a pub dinner. <laughs> a pub dinner? <laughs> yep. How much would I'd you be, put in, be putting in on each, each time, I, each time he was right? 10p? I'd be going to. Um, Whoa, you're going hungry... all out there, Hobbit. Yeah, hungry horse or weather. <laughs> you can just you calm down there, mate, with that kind of gambling. Oh, oh, but I tell you what, that that would be a sound investment. The return on investment, like every time Alex Jones has been right, put ten p in the jar. Yeah, you'd be having steak by. Yeah, but you have to take ten p out for every time he's wrong. You'd still be eating a pub dinner at Hungry Horse or Harvester. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, the time, like the time you said it's the Bilderbergs. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to the Bilderbergs? You do, all you hear these days is... What happened W-E-F. to George Soros? Why, why don't we talk about George Soros anymore? Uh, because it's Has he been always, vanquished? Because it's not the Ukraine, it's now Ukraine, and it's Kiev, as in, like, Kiev comes Quiv. from Kiev. Quiv. Quivy. Is, is this the new Kovevi? Jose, the curse of Cuevo. Then remember it was it was the haircut that Elvis had, wasn't it? Quick quiv, quiv, quiv. Speaking of quiv. haircuts and hungry horse, I used to go to a hungry horse in Farnborough, and they had the mullet family. The man, wife, and his daughter all had mullets. The daughter had a mullet. <laughs> they awesome. live in a caravan. Probably. Mm. What was that? Used to, do you remember that Aussie cricketer used to say looked like a jippo? Shane Where's your caravan? Now he looked like a little hobbit, didn't he? <laughs> he was about three foot two, weren't he? I've got, I've got to say, yeah. I've got to say, Shane Warne's a cheating bastard, and he always has been. Anymore, he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be cheating no he more, will he? He didn't cheat death, did he? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Soros is a good boy, according to some prominent fact checkers. <laughs> Bilderberg's now own Builder Bear. You know, all, all the information coming in from the chat. <laughs> all the spot on up to date information coming from the chat there. Valid sources. Yeah, sources say. That's what you say when you're making something up, and it? You say sources say. Uh, so right, are we gonna get start? Are we gonna get started? Yeah, all right then. All yeah. right then. Should we kick off with the uh, tonight's hot topic? Oh. So, oh, wrong one. Why is it Yorkshire Ripper, the secret murders. So uh, let's do with this then. Let's just oh, let's yeah, just do a bit of. Uh, I'm, blow, I'm blowing. Uh, I'm blowing. I'm blowing the opposite. Save it. Supposed to save that one until last. That's oh, the best one. Done. So anyway, so, anyway, on the last one. Spoilers, it's all you... it's all part of it messing up the the pictures, isn't it? I was going to uh, say so... spoilers, but Jimmy Savile happened to know him. But... Yeah, we'll get, well, we'll to get on... later. We get on to that. Let's just in. Let's just a bit of background first, is it? So, Peter Peter Sutcliffe was born in Bingley, Yorkshire, on the second of June, nineteen forty-six, and would grow up to become. Yorkshire Ripper, convicted of brutally murdering 13 women and attempting to murder seven others between 1975 and But he was always a good, a good boy with, with their old son. Mm. So, Sutcliffe's <laughs> victims were usually prostitutes and his usual method of attack would involve hitting them over the head with a hammer. Then he would mutilate the body using a knife. Sometimes he strangled his victims using a rope and would also use a sharpened screwdriver as a stabbing oh, we've implement. Got, hold on, we've got, we've, we've got some f more facts from the chat. The number 322 yeah. appears in Skull and Bones insignia and is widely mm. reported to be significant as the year of Greek orator Demosthenes' death. Yeah. Also, if you, dial, if you dial 0800 322, you can have some hot chat with the boy next door. So yeah. just... So uh, sharpened screwdriver, Phillips talks mm. or flat? Um, as crosshead, so he was one of was, was yeah, one it was, that's not a you got the bit where, where when he kills him, he says, Stop, hammer time. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> a anyway. uh, Hobbit, Hobbit, you're an HGV driver in the HGV yeah. driving manuals. Does it state ball pain? Yeah, or, actually, ball pain, ball pain, or, or claw hammer? What does it state in yeah. the in the in the driving rec in the uh, HGV regulations? Well. In addition to that, you can also use um, a flat panel beater's hammer because right. the thing is, it's like you could say, well, it's for beating out dents in the bodywork, but also yeah. it's for beating out dents in the prostitute's skull. Yeah. And also, does it tell you the best way to transport a body? Roll it, rolled up, rolled up carpet, perhaps something like that. Um, the, the reason yeah. you got those uh, underrun skirt protection yeah. things is yeah. you can also truss bodies up there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can stash a whore there. Anyway, all right, we'll just go back to the uh, to the topic. So, anyway. Yeah. Sutcliffe's infamy knows no bounds, and his crimes are well documented in numerous books, documentaries, TV and cinema dramatizations, podcasts, and we've even done a 14 Words podcast about him, haven't we, uh, some time ago? Uh, about two years ago, one? wasn't it? I think I, I wasn't. No, that was, oh, that that was, was before zero. I that came was with on the zero. Yes, that was with zero. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we've covered it before. So we're not going to look at the um, 
the usual murders tonight. Though he was convicted of 13 murders and 7 attempted murders, this is, uh, this is unlikely to be the sum total of his offences. And there must be other attacks that he carried out that he wasn't convicted of. In 1996, Keith Hallowell, Chief Constable of West Yorkshire Police, examined 60 possible murders and attacks that were unsolved and could have been ripper attacks. He killed this down to a 20, which he believes may well, be, be the responsibility of such To be fair, they really didn't want to catch him in the first place, did they? So they're not really going to do a good job of putting him away. Mm. <laughs> 2005, the Yorkshire Evening Post reported that after Peter Sutcliffe's arrest, a list of 47 crimes that he could have been responsible for was drawn up by detectives. And the Daily Mail investigation counted 35 possible attacks. So tonight, we're going to look at attacks and murders which remained unsolved, but circumstantial evidence makes it possible that they could have been carried out by Peter Sutcliffe, and no doubt some of them definitely were. So, yeah. So we're not going to cover old ground. We're going to look at these new attacks. Is, that, the, is, the, uh, is the, the first slide, is that, is that Simon, Crow, Simon Cowell's granddad? Oh, come on to that shortly. He's got, he's got, he's so. got those trousers way up there, isn't he? Surprised he had split himself in well, twain. <laughs> yeah, we're laughing now, but you'll 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 be you know you you you'll 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 soon uh, feel ashamed of what you're saying. But anyway, okay, so... soon eat your words. Yeah, exactly. You'll feel you'll need to take a good look at yourself after those remarks. Yeah. Anyway, Sutcliffe left school at 15 and had a series of menial jobs, including two stints as a grave digger in the 1960s. And it was in his early 20s that he started to have a fascination with prostitutes hanging around the red light districts of Bradford and no doubt using the services on offer. His first documented assault was of a female prostitute, was in September 1969. He was out in the red light district with, a, with his friend Trevor Birdsall and Trevor's in Trevor's van. Peter thought that he saw a prostitute who had tricked him out of some money, so he, w he left the van and went after her. He followed her into a garage, then hit her over the head with a stone in a sock, sort of using it in a cosh The old scum method. Way. The old scum mm. method then, was it? Oi, Snooker ball bunny. in a sock. Did he that say, oh, jungle bunny, where's your tool? Did yeah. he say that? Take this, you slag. <laughs> anyway. The woman noted Birdsall's, she noted Birdsall's vehicle registration, so she reported the assault to the police. So, the police did visit Sutcliffe's home about the assault, but the woman did not want anything more to do with the incident, so charges were not pressed. So they probably went, did you do this? No. no. Okay, then that, that'll do. So. Well, because she was a prostitute, she, did, you know, she was breaking the law herself, so obviously a bit reluctant to contact the police if there is a crime. Interesting fact, though, here, though, Trevor Birdsall, his mate in the 60s, as the Ripper case was going on and women were getting murdered, he knew about Sutcliffe's behaviour and he did actually tell the police, um, I know this guy and I think he might be the Ripper. Could you look into it? But, you know, the police didn't bother. So... Um, but, uh, yeah, he knew, you know, because the way Sutcliffe was and his attitude towards prostitutes, the fact that he'd attacked a prostitute and his mate thought, well, this guy is a good suspect. But anyway, boy the boy. So, back on with this. 
Within weeks of this attack, Sutcliffe was arrested in the garden of a house in Manning, the Manningham area of Bradford after his car, with its lights on and engine running, had been spotted by a policeman doing his rounds. The policeman discovered Sutcliffe hunched behind a private hedge with a hammer. He claimed that the hubcap had flown off, off the, is the front wheel of his car and he had been looking for it. The hammer was to help him secure it back into place. However... He was, he was well October, prepared, weren't he? Like getting the hammer well, out while a, you're looking for the, <laughs> for the Fair enough. Fair enough, you know. It sounds like a, a, it's, yeah, hammer sounds, hammer. sounds like a feasible story, but however, in October nineteen sixty nine he was fined twenty five pounds for going equipped for theft. So they didn't believe the um, the hubcap story. The real reason Sutcliffe um for Sutcliffe being out with a hammer that night was that he wanted to attack a prostitute. So there's some early signs in the Someone late 60s. Someone told him to hit the road. Hey. Mm, yeah. So, you know, this, uh, you know, signs there that he's... Um, a wrong one. Yeah, exactly. Okay, then. So let's, um, what we'll do is look at the first unsolved case. So and we'll look at the picture here, the one that you found so funny. So we'll look at this now. <laughs> one second. Oh. So the first potential Sutcliffe murder we're going to look at is that of bookmaker Fred Craven. Not a female prostitute, but um, a I'm man. A prostitute. He's a good-looking uh, fella, isn't he? Yeah. Might be into it's like a, a mini-me version of John Luke Picard. Well, some people like they have a thing. Some people have a, a thing for dwarfs, don't they? You know, dwarf porn and that kind of thing. John, so. John Luke John Luke Picard on the on the wrong on the wrong TV set. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> well, I think um, in Cemetery Junction, Dom, in Reading, there was uh, public toilets. and there was loading on the thing? I'm, I'm looking and at the screen. Um, it's just that grinning fat guy. That's yeah. who we're talking but about. But no, we're, we're, me and Dom used to work uh, nearby Cemetery Junction. There's some public toilets there, and um, there's a glory hole there. And apparently there was a dwarf that used to do the do the uh, rounds of oh. the toilet. And he didn't, there was a gay you know, pub near those toilets, wasn't there? There's a the gay Duncan, yeah, it? club. It's, a, it's an ice cream parlour now. Oh, but, yeah. but convenient, eh? Anyway, Duncan's okay. That's quite a favourite one. Favourite one for bombers and serial killers, okay. isn't it? Exactly. So, on the 22nd of April, 1966, is the date that Sutcliffe is believed to have committed his first murder. Sutcliffe was 19 years old at the time, and the victim was 66-year-old bookmaker Fred Craven. And there he is there. So at approximately noon on that day, Craven went to his office above an antique shop on Wellington Road, Bingley. Two men followed him into the office. One of the men smashed him over the head with a blunt instrument before kicking him in the chest and smashing his ribs. Well, Two men made off with Craven's there, wallet. You've mm. got, got to kick pretty hard to get some rib there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the two men made off with Craven's wallet, which contained £200. Around ten minutes later, a relative discovered Craven's lifeless body in a pool of blood. The robbery was probably an opportunist crime. Fred Craven had not been following a particular routine that day, making it unlikely that the crime had been planned, and making it likely that they were local men. One of the men was described as around 40 years old, 5 feet 4 inches tall, unshaven, wearing a dark jacket and a cloth cap. His companion was described as no more than 20, 
slim, five feet five inches tall, dressed in a dark jacket, light coloured trousers, and most distinctively, a Donovan cap, which was a cap, which was similar, a popular item of the day, which was worn by uh, Donovan, the folky pop singer. Do you remember Jennifer Juniper he did with <coughs> Trevor and Simon? No. She folky. No, don't you remember, don't you remember uh, Trevor and Simon on? Used to be on I remember Life. Trevor and Simon. I didn't wish to watch it. I was a bit old at the time, wasn't oh, it? Oh, right. They, well, they did, a, they did a song with Donovan. They did Jennifer. Yeah, my era is, is Roland of Grange Hill. That's my... Rowla- my Rowla- sort of, Rowland. Yeah. Rowland. I'm only trying to help you, Roland. Rowland? Anyway. <laughs> he fucking hated her, didn't he? So, anyway... He should do. She was pain in the fucking ass. Yeah, she was a right pain in the ass, poking her nose in. Anyway, yeah. Janet, wasn't it? Anyway, so two days later, police turned I'll up. I bet he looked like Sa- a proper knobhead. I've just seen a Donovan <laughs> cap, and he, I bet he looked like a right reet knobhead. Yeah, it was a fashion those days, like flares. Anyway, two days later, police turned up at Peter Sutcliffe's house and arrested his 16-year-old brother Michael. So not Sutcliffe. Michael was gaining a reputation as a bit of a tearaway and was known to wear a Donovan cap. He was held for 48 hours before being released, as at the time of the murder, he was queuing at the local chip shop. <coughs> when the police didn't know, what police didn't know at the time was that there was a more likely suspect at Michael Sutcliffe's address. Peter Sutcliffe also owned and regularly wore a Donovan cap, and he closely matched the description of the second robber. This murder was particularly cruel, as Fred Craven had a spinal disorder, which meant that he was only four feet seven tall. Murder was never solved. So there you go. So do you find it funny now, Hemi, that you were (laughs) laughing at him? It still looks funny. Yeah. 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 That's physically disabled. Know, that's even funnier to know he's four foot seven. That makes it. Yeah. Is that a four foot yeah. edge then? He's done it in front. Yeah. Well, it's not funny. It's not funny, is it? <laughs> big. It's not clever. Yeah. yeah. It's not big and it's not clever. So yeah, that's the first. Uh, so that's the first. He's not move. big and he's it's too... not clever. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! We're gonna we're gonna get that commentary again, aren't we? You know, you like laughing at laughing at very serious. Subjects. Oh yeah, making light of a serious subject. <laughs> I'm sure the surviving relatives of Fred West were very angry of us because I'm sure they all listened to that that podcast. Was it that popular? Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, so circumstantially, see it, and you know, location-wise, method of attack, it could well have been Sutcliffe. On the other hand, it may not have been, but. Let's move on and look at another case. So, oh, before we go, before we go on, it's way off his mo though, isn't it? One, it's a bloke, and two, he's working with another bloke. It's, but I then, it's, I think it's too far off his mo, personally. Well, but then he was his method of attack was a blunt instrument. Um, he was, you know, he 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 was. Um, I think I don't think he. Well, they mentioned his little, his little shitty pencil beard, though, wouldn't they? Surely they would have mentioned his fucking weird beard, wouldn't they? He didn't have a beard at that age, though. Um, but um, it said blunt, in- he was it with a blunt instrument, so it could have been a hammer. It doesn't specify. That's it. So, so is this like but... Batman Begins before he gets the costume? But is this before he got anyway, the beard? This is his origin <laughs> story. It's his origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the next unsolved case that could have been carried out by Sutcliffe. So. <laughs> 
John Tomey, another bloke, Ooh. was a 27-year-old, slightly built man who earned a living as a taxi driver in the Leeds area. I just think, like, like you're saying, another mm. bloke, I just think it's too far, because serial killers get well, upset. And they, they don't they don't practice on blokes and then go to women, do they? Well, they get they're we quite don't... stuck in their ways, aren't they? Generally, unless they're like a they are yeah, yeah, like, they evolve, like, like... they evolve, and the method of the the use of a hammer was uh, uh, the very unusual. Yeah. If, like say, if they, it's you know, ba- it's Batman it, Begins, so he probably would have used the knife first. If he wanted to carry out a sexual crime on a woman, then he would have used a hammer. But also, maybe if he wanted to carry out just a general robbery, and is maybe also there his method of. Um, his chosen weapon could well have been a and hammer. He, yeah, he's probably t- trying out different things, and then mm. yeah, exactly. when he got to the prostitutes, he thought, "Oh, I'll stick with this." Ah. As we'll <laughs> see, let's look at the next crime anyway. So, like, like, did you actually had like an Alfred go? Uh, don't use the cosh master, 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 yeah. master Sutcliffe. Use use the hammer. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, okay then. So John Tomey was a 27-year-old slightly built man who earned his living as a taxi driver in the Leeds area. On the 22nd of March 1967, he picked up a fare in the city centre in the late evening. Oh, Pipe's, oh, Pipe's got an idea. Maybe, she had, maybe the first one had a nail stuck in her. Possibly. Um, yeah. His his passenger was a younger was a well, younger than him, in his early twenties at most. The young man asked to be taken to Bradford, then changed his mind and asked to be taken to Bingley. As they approached the town, Mister Tomey stopped under a street lamp to show his fear the rate card, so to show him how much. At Not which point card. he got a clear look. Yeah, he got a clear look at the man's face. He had dark hair and a beard, and his accent was clearly local. Man then said he had no money to pay his fare, but told Tommy to drive 20 miles to Nelson, where his aunt would pay the fare. Tommy drove to, on to Nelson, but this was well outside his normal route, so he had to pull over to consult the road map. As Tommy bent forward to get the map from the glove box, he was hit on the back of the head several times with a ball-pin hammer by his passenger, knocking him out briefly. When he came round, he saw his attacker trying to pull open the driver's door, but it was locked. When it wouldn't open, the man smashed the car window with his hammer. Days bleeding heavily, Mr. Tomey managed to somehow drive away. Tomey's skull was severely fractured, and he was unable to drive a taxi again, and was able to work for the vast majority of his life. He would also never marry or have a family. His attacker has never been found. So again, so is, so is Peter Sutcliffe uh, to blame for the fact he never got a boner again? Is that what it's about? Is that... Well, yeah, because he's even uh, mental damage, didn't he? So, um, again, you know, obviously this isn't a sexual attack. No doubt, what the attacker wanted to do there probably was knock the guy out and nick his money because he must have had money in his taxi. So again. Robberies could have been carried out by such. He wasn't a petty thief, think? though, was he? he? Yeah, he was. He did. He did yeah. nick stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. Were the to... were the prostitutes uh, sexual attacks, or was it just? Well, yeah, they, they, they obviously were. Yeah, I, I mean, they, it might have been. Ju- he was targeting them because he knew that no one would give a shit about them. Hmm. Yeah, but he was the reason he was targeting them was to, that was his thing, you know. That was what got him off was killing, you know, killing as we'll as we'll. Well, um... not really. <clears> he <throat> failed quite a number of times, didn't he? Yeah, 
It was a bit rubbish. Right? Yeah, but he was he, the the that was only because he failed to kill them. He wanted to kill them, but because he was in certain at certain uh, occasions, he was interrupted, or no. there was someone nearby, so he had to leg it. So anyway, all this talk of uh, prostitutes and and killing and stuff reminds me of the classic Isaac Hayes song, "Prostitute Son Who Loves You No Matter Who You Are." Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyway, all right, let's look at some more cold cases. So, yeah. on Monday, the 26th of February, 1968, the body of 43-year-old Mary Judge was found on waste ground beneath the railway arches opposite Leeds Parish Church. Her clothes were scattered over the derelict ground. Her body showed signs of a savage attack, having been smashed over the head with a brick or a hammer. The damage was so bad that visual identification was impossible. Mary had been a prostitute and was last sighted at 10 minutes past 10 p.m. outside the Regent Hotel in Leeds City Centre on the night she died. Ten minutes after the sighting, church verger John Dunhill heard the attack take place and he said the following. About 10 past 10, I was just going from my house to the vestry when I heard the sounds of banging over towards the railway arches. It was just banging, no screaming. I did not take a great deal of notice because there's always some noise coming from the road on that bit of land. So He heard a commotion but thought nothing of it. At 10.18pm that night, a train passed... Choir boy, weren't he? Yeah, oh yeah, in the vestry. So A train passed within 50 yards of the arches. On the train was a small boy who was looking out the window and he saw a slim, youngish man with long, dark hair attacking a woman who fell to the ground. The dark-haired man was never located. So, Ooh. interesting, eh? Ooh. I mean, this is this is more likely because it's like women. Because mm. it's like, he is a bit Definitely. of a woman hater, isn't he? I, 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 I'm not sure about the blokes. Not sure. I've got to say, not sure. Because well, he couldn't get it up. I mean, if Viagra was around then, would he have committed these murders? Well, he was a necrophile, I think, as well, which, um, you know, there is that as well. He, liked, he was getting he, it up for like... Sonia, weren't he? Was he doing she the was, Yeah, was I think she was a bit frigid, though. And she was mental, she she was mental was... though, weren't she? Wasn't she having yeah, a string of affairs be... or something? She did have an affair, but, you know, he could, he, he, could yeah. he had to take what he could get, so he was lucky to get anyone. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, she was she was off her head. She was frigid, and you know, but she the fact that she was as well, weren't she, I think. the fact that she is in such a mental, you know, was such a mental herself allowed him. She wasn't suspicious of his of his um you know of his of his disappearances. So, so where it's were you good, last uh, night? It's hmm. a good comment from Exile Bear. Cops use serial killers to close a lot of unsolved crimes. <clears throat> Mm. I guess they, you know, just get the paperwork out of the way, blame it on him. Yeah, and drugs don't kill people, rappers do. Found <laughs> to the police, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's go on to the next case, anyway. It is less than 90 miles from Leeds to Nottingham. In 1968, the M1, Britain's first motorway, was extended to link Leeds with the rest of the country. Dramatically cutting journey times between West Yorkshire and the East Midlands. Getting from Leeds to Nottingham would take no more than two hours. 
On Monday the 4th of August 1969, at 11.30pm, screams were heard coming from St Mary's Rest Garden in Bath Street, Nottingham. The body of Lucy Tinslop was then discovered in this location. She had been strangled. Tinslop. T-I-N-S-L-O-P. So, yeah. What? Tinslop. It's slop. As if you've got you've got some liquid in a tin and you slop it around, so... So isn't she had it, been isn't strangled. Slut, it, isn't it tin slut? Do you say there's an e on then? Is it tin slut? Tin slut. Slope. Slope. Slop. Tin slope. Tin slope. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's t- this is what it says here. Tin, tin slop. slop. So anyway, she had, she had been strangled and her abdomen, abdomen had been ripped open. She had been stabbed in the genital area more than 20 times. Lucy's murder took place on the night of her 21st birthday. No one was ever charged over this murder, so it could have been done by Sutcliffe. Could it have been done by Sutcliffe? The method of attack bears some trademarks of his, and it was at the time in his life when he was mobile. So this would have been shortly after uh, he passed his driving test, so it, taking full this, advantage. What does this fit in with murder? Because like, his first few weren't even murders. He just whacked him in the head, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he wasn't very good at it back then. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. So... Having a growing criminal record for driving offences, which indicated that he either owned or had access to a vehicle, and was using them to travel in search of his victims. So yeah, again, you know that's a, that's a murder. He would have had easy access to that location, sort of thing he would do. So yeah, go to the next picture there, Hemi. Let's have a look at the. Uh, Let's have a look at the next uh, illustration on the slideshow it's picture. Been a two, there we go. There's this. So let's have a look at the murders of Jacqueline Anstel Lamb and Barbara Mayo. So there's the uh, police appeal poster there. So on the Sunday, the eighth of March, nineteen seventy, eighteen-year-old secretary Jacqueline Ansel Lamb attempted to hitchhike from London back to her home in Manchester. She was given a lift by a man from Earl's Court to one of the slip roads of the M1 motorway in London, where she intended to hitch a lift northwards. She then shared a lift with another man fifty miles up the M1 to Buckinghamshire. Movements thereafter are unknown, and she was reported missing on the 9th of March when she didn't turn up in Manchester. The last place Jacqueline was seen was at a transport cafe at High Lee, just off Junction 20 of the M6 near Warrington, Cheshire, talking to a man who has remained unidentified. The 14th of March, the partially clothed body of Jacqueline was found by a 10-year-old boy and his father as they walked through some woodland in Mere, Cheshire, just off the M6 motorway near the cafe where she was last seen. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled with an electrical cable. So, And do you strangled. reckon that 10-year-old boy grew up to be a serial killer himself after mm. seeing that? Well, he was probably disturbed, wasn't he? But anyway, okay then. In the first week of October 1970, 24-year-old trainee teacher Barbara Mayo drove from London to County Durham with her boyfriend to buy four new wheels for their car. 
On the return journey, the car broke down at Catterick, North Yorkshire. They temporarily abandoned the car at a garage and both hitchhiked back to their home in London. On, May, on Monday, the 12th of October 1970, Barbara left her home at about 7.30am to hitchhike via the M11 back up to Catterick to collect the car. Barbara failed to arrive at the garage and her boyfriend reported her missing. Why do Police people pre- hitchhike? It never goes well so, for uh, them. Yeah, but he wasn't, well, they don't anymore, do he they? wasn't traveling, uh, traveling around then, though, was he? Because it... Was this not till seventy five he became? Well, we we'll come on driver. to that, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's just gonna, I'm just gonna tie up these two shortly. Oh, okay, but then. yeah, but hitchhiking, um, it's not so common these days. But it used to be all the rage, didn't it? You could always see someone with hitchhiking. I hitchhiked from the West Country to London, actually, you in my ranked? younger days. Did you get sodomized? I didn't know. A guy who worked for the Daily Mail picked us up. I remember me and my mate, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he was all right. <laughs> He didn't touch anyway. knee while he was changing gears. No, he didn't. We didn't get touched or anything. So. <laughs> or maybe he did, but it's just repressed memories. <laughs> that, that was the, that was the time. That was the time they all got abducted by a UFO, weren't it? <laughs> um, Fred West could have picked me up if I was in. in I was in the West Country, so I could have been picked up by Fred West, like Vic Reeves was. About five hours of your life unaccounted for. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was abducted by aliens. He remembers the yeah. aliens touched his knee. Had an anal probe. So <laughs> anyway, police began an extensive search of motorway networks, but failed to find her. Though witnesses suggest that she was last seen getting into a white Morris Traveller car. Six days later, on Sunday the 18th of October 1970, a honeymooning couple stumbled across Barbara's body in bushes on the edge of a lonely wood off the Hodmere Lane, Glapwell in Derbyshire, about a mile off the M1. She was face down with her clothing in disarray and a jacket spread over her. She had been beaten about the head and strangled with a ligature. So, yeah. So, there's two murders there, obviously. Um... Um, from the London area, not Yorkshire. You think, hey, all right, then what's uh, so what's um, you know, they're probably not in the locale, but let's look at the next part. Well, the reason, 19- the reason they didn't catch uh, Ed Kemper sooner was because there was also another, I think, was there another two up serial killers operating at the same time in the same area as him? Yeah, could well have been copycat killers, yeah. But, uh, maybe he was think copycatting he lived, them. You think he lived in a Kemper van? A Kemper van. Anyway, all right then. Um, so in 1967, 21-year-old Peter Sutcliffe met future wife, 16-year-old Sonia Sutmurza. So she was just legal there. Eh? So they eventually married in 1974. In 1970, Sonia moved to London to attend teacher training college, her first term being in September of that year. This meant that Peter and Sonia would have been would have would be apart, and Peter would make frequent trips from Bradford to London via the M1 to visit Sonia. So this is making sense now, isn't it? Eh? Okay. Dates, location, opportunity, and modus, modus operandi make Jacqueline Ansel Lamb and Barbara Mayo both possible victims of the Yorkshire Ripper. Also, at the time of Barbara Mayo's murder, Peter Sutcliffe did own a white Morris Traveller car, 
the vehicle in which she was last seen. So, uh, yeah. Go to the next picture there. I mean, let's have a look at such a vehicle. So, uh... Ooh, that's a beauty, there. that is, isn't it? Look at isn't that. It? <coughs> My mum used to have one, actually. I bet, <laughs> was, I bet he was slaying pussy in that, weren't he? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it was quite a good, cheap little... You know, car. <laughs> you know, didn't uh, he wasn't great, but wasn't. I, you know, unironically like the Morris Marina, especially with the wood paneling. Yeah. I've got photographs of one I saw in mm. Malta. I took a uh, picture of remarkable condition. To be fair, that's rusty as fuck. That is, you can see it from here. Can't you? That wing's mm. fucked. <laughs> Why did they have wood on them? Give the carpenters more... something to do. Literally, yeah. <laughs> they look more more so, luxurious. So they have a strike. So. Wow, we're 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 bolting we're bolting wood to wood to, mm. wood to metal. Everybody out. It, it's they literally didn't... it's the same reason why so many cars will have drum bakes in the rear and disc brakes in the feet because like yeah you could retool the factories but it'd be so expensive mm-hmm. for a lot of cars you just go yeah just stick drums in the back and we can keep these factories working. Yeah, you wouldn't have seat belts. Seat belts were a luxury, so. Yeah, but anyway. So he was so slaying pussy literally in that car. Anyway, after Sutcliffe's arrest in 1981, he was questioned by detectives about these two murders, but oh, was finally I, can eliminated. I, can, you, can I slip in a, hmm? a, a slip in a quote a from the from? No, this is a quote. It is almost a joke. This is <laughs> Jim, this is Jim Hobson, a senior West Yorkshire defe- detective. Hmm. He says. He says, the perpetrator has made it clear that he hates prostitutes. Many people do. We as a police force will continue to arrest prostitutes, but the Ripper's now killing innocent girls. That indicates your mental state and that you're in urgent need of medical attention. You've made your point. Give yourself up before another innocent woman dis... It's like, yeah, we're okay with you murdering prostitutes, but now now you're you're killing civilians. It's got to stop. That was the attitude of the uh, Yorkshire police. Yeah, but it wasn't though, because this just prostitutes were the easiest targets. But, yeah. You know, he was. Uh, he eventually he was. He well, was you murdering can see like, from that from that comment there. This mm. is like they are an easy target because the police that literally. Oh, yeah, obviously. Killing. What you've got to do is yeah, you can entice them into your car. He's you know you know yeah. they're, they're they're alone, so you know. He, easy for him to do. Anyway, after Sutcliffe's arrest in 1981, he was questioned by detectives about these two murders but was finally eliminated from the investigation due to lack of solid evidence. The murders remain unsolved. So the I bet bet there's a lot of liquid evidence, though. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. A lot of DNA. Shame DNA wasn't wasn't that common to... A lot of people used to keep a lot of police forces used to keep stuff, and, they, and they've actually caught people by re-examining. They've kept they kept the um the I'm Jack letters, didn't they? And he, he got banged up many years later. Yeah, yeah, they caught that. him eventually. He's didn't dead they? now. Yeah, but uh, so um, yeah, so um, saliva on the envelope, wasn't it? I oh, was. And, it? Is that how they caught him? Was it? Yeah. So um, the um. For those of you that don't know, we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna cover this in the show, so we can we can discuss this during the Ripper investigation. There were um, letters and a tape sent from just someone mucking about, saying that they were the Ripper. People do these things, you know, they get off on it, but for some reason, um, police took it seriously 
So, and they and this sort of derailed the investigation, basically allowing Sutcliffe to kill more because they were after the wrong person. Never caught the guy, but as DNA technology uh, progressed over the years, it was what was it, 2006, I think it was. They they got DNA off the envelopes. Well, that was his name. We were Jack. In. I'll just have a look. Yeah, we aside Jack. They got DNA off the off the envelopes that the letters were sent in, ran it through the DNA database, and it came up with a match. Uh, basically, the guy was being arrested for being drunk and disorderly and was on the database, and that's how they caught him. He's actually dead now, isn't he? But he he got eight years. Eight, he finally got banged up for eight years. Oh, yeah. like... And it was twenty odd years later, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty good stuff. Yeah, anyway, yeah, March twenty first, two thousand and six, Humble was sentenced yeah. to eight years in prison. Yeah, he's dead now, but uh, uh, it was, he got out in two thousand and nine after serving mm. four years, and was given he was actually yeah. given a new identity. Well, so in they August, August say... twenty nineteen, it was reported he died at his home in yeah. South Shields on July thirtieth due to heart failure you know, and the effects of alcoholism. Mm. I, I think it they... must have affected him that he. Now, like they the, say, yeah, the thing is, though, they say be, because of him that the Ripper was able to carry out three three extra murders, but to be honest, they never should have taken it ser- as seriously as they did. And it's the fact that the police I mean, were how so many, desperate. How many times did they have, they, did they have Pete in? I mean, they, they, they must have been on first oh, yeah, no, terms with yeah, him. Yeah, they, <laughs> times they had him in. No, they had him nine times before they arrested him, and um, because they it was a manual filing system at the time, couldn't collate the information, so they'd interview him without knowing that he'd previously been interviewed. Because wasn't it that case that led to homes being being created? The uh, the cross referencing. Yeah, but that came. That was yeah, basically yeah. But that was that came was after. He, was he interviewed in different stations? I mean, surely the reception. So interviewed at his, He was interviewed at his home a few times. He was oh, interviewed right. at his workplace. So. It was one investigation. was one investigation that did the lot. So like his name mm. was coming up. At the top of mm. a lot of lists. I mean, it, it was it was his firm that had the two two five pound notes. five pound note. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because obviously uh, the um, again for the people at home who don't know, one of his victims' a five pound note was found on the uh, in with with on in the uh, in the prostitute's handbag, wasn't it? And it was a yeah. new five pound note. So they assumed, and rightly so that that £5 note would have been issued to someone in their wage. So they were able to track the £5 note to, um, to you know, just a, about five workplaces. They, they whittled it down to about 200 men, of which Sutcliffe was one of them. But, what would £5 um, get you from a prostitute back then? Well, in those days, it, you'd get you, um, well, hand job, I think. Hand yeah, job, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, five would have got but, you a lot, um, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe, but um, a street. But yeah, so um, I think they did interview him, but he had an alibi. And because Sonia was mental, it was easy enough to get her to say, you know, to convince her that they were at home together. But anyway, mm. but uh, yeah, had they had computers though in those days, they would have caught him a lot quicker. But because because he was, you know, these. Well, this is why you don't really get modern serial killers, do you? Unless there's some. Hmm. Something, but yeah, so. uh, unless there's something uh, going on, they, they, yeah, there's some ex- something extra special about them. You, you really, you're not going to get past two or three, really, are you? And then before, well, plus also, there's 
there's CCTV and everywhere as well, isn't that's, he? That's you know, what I mean. Like... You're, you're barely going to get 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 two under your belt. I mean, I, I think I say those old guys, those those old guys that did that. That robbed um, did robbed the jewelry shop a few years ago. They made a film about it, didn't they? Yeah. The, uh, the Diamond Geezers. Yeah, their car was seen on CCTV. That's how they got. That's how they got. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rumbled. Anyway, all right. Enough from me. Dom's now going to tell us some more about the unsolved cases of the uh, Yorkshire Ripper. Over to you. Yes. Um, Sutcliffe would eventually move to London, be nearer to Sonia, in late 1970 would live there for about a year, gaining work as a mechanic in a garage in Deptford, South East London. And if you've ever been, if you've never been to Deptford, I would advise you never to go. <laughs> you could go there right now, but I suggest you don't. <laughs> it's <nicknamed laughs> devil, the devil's arsehole, isn't it? <laughs> so at 8 a.m. on the morning of Sunday, 13th July, 1971. Uh, you could go to there right now and you could check it out. But I recommend you don't. Yes, exactly. 8am on the morning of Sunday, 30th July 1971, a 15-year-old schoolboy doing his paper round in South Ryslip, London, came across the corpse of a young woman when he took a shortcut to Stonefield Park. Clothes had been strewn around and there was blood everywhere. Uh, the Met identified the dead woman as 29-year-old secretary Gloria Booth. Gloria earned extra cash by working part-time as a barmaid in the White Hart pub opposite South Ryslick Park. On the 12th of June 1971, Gloria left White Hart at 11.30pm. Eyewitnesses told police that she was seen walking towards the A40 roundabout in Ryslip. At 11.50... Gloria made a phone call from the phone box on Western Avenue, the barman of the nearby Viking pub, uh, with whom she had agreed to go to a party that night. Before they could finalise the arrangements, the line cut out. At 12.30am, Gloria was seen standing outside the Viking pub, apparently waiting for the barman. Eyewitnesses told police that they had noticed her talking to a man of shortish height who was wearing dark clothing. Uh, around 1am, Gloria was seen on Nairn Road beside Stonefield Park. A footpath ran parallel with the road along the, the hedge outside the recreation ground where, within two hours, she would be attacked and killed. An autopsy showed that Gloria had been strangled to death and other damage to the body had taken place after she had died. Bite marks was, were discovered which showed her attacker as having a gap in their front teeth a characteristic associated with peace of Sutcliffe. There was also evidence that the attacker had masturbated at the scene. The method of attack and treatment of the body shows the hallmarks of a Yorkshire Ripper attack. Small traces of motor oil were discovered on the body and this would tie in with the Sutcliffe's job in a garage at the time. The case was never solved. Mm, Very circumstantial, that one. Yeah, well, bite marks, I reckon it was a, probably a werewolf. Oh, true, true. But he had <laughs> a gap remember in his that front other teeth. Do you remember that other case where the woman was murdered and they found it through paint chippings or something? Was that Jack the Stripper? That wasn't Jack the Stripper, was it? It was someone else. Jack the Stripper? I don't think it was Jack the Stripper. Uh, was, was it? 
That's a woman's was it done? Was it done by? Was it done by the um, the murdering infant, Jack the Nipper? <laughs> Jack the Nipper Ellis, the evil oh. the, from the evil timeline. Oh yeah, no Nipper Ellis. For, he's didn't he didn't he catch the craze? But um, yeah, that's what I mean. Jack the Nipper Ellis. Or basically, you know, anything that rhymes with Ripper, you can make it up, make one up if you want. But anyway, it's up to you. What about the serial? What about the Nipper? Or the serial killer that used to take LSD, Jack the Tripper. <laughs> hey, you know, we could do this all night now. Yeah. All the pikey serial killer, Jack the Tripper. Yay. <laughs> what, what Two points Jack, for your team. What about Jack the Ripper's uh, sailor cousin, you know, Jack the Clipper? <laughs> yeah, two points to that team. Or Jack, or, or Jack the Ripper's Jewish cousin, Jack the Clipper. Jack the coin clipper. I think the most notorious yeah. of all these killers is is, is before this method of execution, Jack the Zipper. You don't uh, that's done. Yeah, that, that's, Jack the Zipper was uh, the one that used to kill people with his lighter, wasn't it? Stabbed them with the lighter. Well, I was thinking. Oh, no, that, that, Jack the Zippo, that is, isn't it? Uh, 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 no, Jack, Jack the Zipper is, is, you know, the impromptu circumcision time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Or the, um, or, the man, okay. or the man who used to overfeed people with fish, Jack the Kipper. <laughs> okay, okay then, back to the... Uh, go on, yeah, no, okay. Okay. Friday, 17th of... Uh, uh, on Friday, December the 29th, 1972, in Wakefield, 17-year-old secretary, Dolly Gray, left a pub where she had been drinking and made her way home alone. As she walked, she became aware that she was being followed. Looking behind her, she saw a man with staring eyes, long, dark, longish hair and a beard. Dolly quickened her walk to try and shake off her pursuer. As she approached her home, she was grabbed from behind. Screaming loudly, her attacker cover her, covered her mouth, telling her to shut up and punched her on the back of the head as she screamed, against, uh, screamed again. Isn't that the, the donkey punch? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she was then shoved against the wall. At which point, a prison officer heard the commotion and came running out with his out of his house to help. Ran after the attacker, but failed to catch him. Well, he was able to provide a photo fit of the man. Which, if we can see the next picture, please. Let's have a look at the photo fit. Jesus. Look familiar. It's Jesus. It is Jesus. Looks yeah. like Charles Manson, yeah. Or Billy Connolly. <laughs> <laughs> we used to kill a woman kill the woman and then do a jobby. Oh we got we missed <laughs> one, the dolphin killer, Jack the Flipper. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Good one. Uh, was... Who was that then? H who did that one? H P oh no, D D two thousand and seventeen. Um Oh, no, it's not. It's Damien. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, we'll send him a T-shirt then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> send him a fourteen words mug. Yeah. <laughs> right, heavy bobblehead. Heavy bobblehead. Jack the Ripper bobblehead. That's what you can have. Fourteen words bong, perhaps. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <clears throat> 
he was described as five feet ten inches tall in his mid twenties with long dark hair, dark eyebrows, and a beard and moustache. Sutcliffe's arrest in 1981, Dolly believed that he was the one who had attacked her. Mm. Well, it is a likeness. It is a likeness of him there. Trouble is, what, though... What year was this? Is it the 70s, like a man with beard and long hair? Yeah, <laughs> the trouble. The attacker wore flared trousers. No. <laughs> <laughs> that narrows it down a bit. Flared trousers and airplane collar. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, does anyone remember um, Ivan Dobsky from Monkey Dusk? He a 70s serial killer. Mm. He had a, a, ring a he, bell. He had a space hopper, Mr. Hoppy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at some point in 1971, Sutcliffe would have moved from London back to Bradford, while Sonia continued her studies in London and started her second year in September 1971. Oh, what Sutcliffe about what about the other serial killer with the big beard and the tattoos? Uh, Jack the Hipster. <laughs> uh, who liked who liked coffee? Who liked yeah. paying eight quid for a coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Sutcliffe told her that he would travel down to see her as often as possible. April 1972, Sonia had two weeks off from college, so she returned to Bradford for the break. Sutcliffe drove her back to London after this period on the 17th of April. The following day, a 22-year-old woman was found barely alive in undergrowth beside a lay-by near Hemel Hempstead. Bobby Burke was a drifter and truck hopper. 6.30pm on the 18th of April, 1970. Was Sonia and uh, Peter travelling separately or together? Um, he was well. No, they t- travelled together, isn't it? He would drive her. He would drive her to London. He'd drop her off for her studies, because she was a mental. She couldn't be in charge of a car. Back, though, but she was coming back, though, wasn't she? Which means he'd they'd be together in the car, wouldn't they? With uh, no, he would take her. So he would take So he took yeah. her back to London. He probably stayed around for a bit. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm just. I'm just trying to be the. Uh, the actually, I'm just trying to be the Snopes in the room. The uh, <laughs> cat, the cat in the manger. Well, yeah. you, you won't catch us, though. We've got it all. We've got it all, sus. So. Yeah. <laughs> stick to stick to names which rhyme with Ripper. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being the snake. Actually, snake in the grass. Convicted of it. It means he didn't do it. Yeah, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Anyway, go on. Anyway, you're, you're quite funny with all these Jack the Ripper names. Is your name Jack the Quipper? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Marie Burke, yeah, uh, drifter and a truck hopper. At 6.30pm on the 18th of April 1972, she was spotted thumbing a lift at the start of the M- M1 in the North London suburb of Brent Cross. Two hours later, an off-duty policeman discovered her in some bushes the A414. She was unconscious but still breathing. Yeah, that's right. But um but it could have what been. About, what the about killer. that serial killer that used to drown people, Jack the Dipper? Uh, right. <laughs> or the the serial killer that used to wear comfortable shoes in the house. Jack the slipper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Oh school Scott oh god, this is right up your right up your street in school bully serial killer, Jack the Gripper. You remember Gripper? Ah, uh, right. 
<laughs> I'm going through the alphabet. Oh, shit, I missed that. I went, I've, I'm going through the alphabet and I missed yeah. that. Actually. I was surprised with that one. <laughs> anyway, go on. Back to the story. Uh, Marie had severe wounds to the back of her head had been caused by a blunt instrument and she spent three weeks in a coma hovering between life and death. When she did awake, she had no memory of the attacker or the events leading up to it. Marie Burke left dead by the Yorkshire Ripper. Attacks had the hallmarks of a Ripper attack. There can be no certainty that there would be many more victims to come. And I mean, it, I mean, it is it is entirely like his first one was nineteen. So I've, I've just had a you. quick look, and his first one was nineteen sixty nine, and then and then you're expected to think he goes a whole five years without doing anything. So. Yeah, he must have been up to something. Yeah, mm. it's uncontrollable the urge. So even if he didn't kill, he would have tried or done something well, along fair, those to be lines. Son, you probably did his head in, didn't you? Always playing, yeah. always playing you that trumpet. R S. Maybe. All these women were just Karens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, all right I did though, a Sonia from EastEnders joke there, lads. I said she was always playing the trumpet. Oh, yeah. I, was, yeah. I saw that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were lesbian. Do you want to play the trumpet? Or whatever. <laughs> Ricky wasn't what was you good. thinking, Sonia? <laughs> One minute you're a lesbian, the next minute you're playing the trumpet. Yeah. I don't know. That euphemism for something. <laughs> Um, okay, we can go if we can go on to the next picture. Oh, hold on a sec. Let's see what I got that then. Oh, look at that! What a beauty! Ooh. As what we can human. see, that was Malcolm McDowell from Planet of the Apes, with just without the makeup on. <laughs> Is that a man or a woman? Just can't. It's a German helmet. <laughs> on the on the. On the... That's a that's a. Do you, do you remember that guy on? It was the guy on Twitter who used to do the the well ends. Do you remember watch him? Hashtag Wellend. <laughs> like a Wellend is like a Paul Weller like haircut. So they call it. Oh, right. <laughs> so they're a Bellend and a Well and, and a Paul uh... with a Paul Weller haircut. Well end. Like, but that was the haircut. Wellend. That was the haircut of the seventies. Mm. I've got a new Wellend, word in my vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Pudding bowl. Just look up hashtag Wellend and you'll find them. Like I think people. <laughs> Because everyone was poor in those days, you had to cut your own hair, so mm. couldn't afford to go to the. That's why it ended up like that. There's no need for it to look like that, though. Even if you do it yourself, in... <laughs> I think even if you did it yourself in the dark, I don't think you'd come up with that haircut, would you? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, one going to an hairdresser and going, "I'll have one of those, please." <laughs> uh, around six thirty p.m. on the evening of seventh of June, nineteen seventy-two. 14-year-old Judith Roberts, pictured, left her home in Gilway Lane, Wigington, cycle ride <laughs> along <laughs> Wigington. <laughs> it's a real place. <laughs> she looks like she comes from Wigington, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she so like what's Wigington famous for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're going to get the complaints, Ian. We're going to get the complaints yeah. again. Well, I haven't heard from that guy again, so I wouldn't mind This is a very sensitive subject, and you lot are talking about it. How dare you? He's probably killed himself by now. (laughs) (laughs) Probably dead, that guy, so yeah, that's why we haven't heard from him. He probably heard the episode (laughs) about jerk-off crystals and that heart attack. Yeah. (laughs) That was too Um, much for him. Right, so where was I? She left her home in 
in Wigington, Wigington. For, a, for a cycle ride along Homerford Lane. Combe? Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, God, I, don't, I think I've been. I think I've been. Uh, I think someone's been having a laugh with this story, and I've taken it seriously. <laughs> I've, been, I've been got. I've been. I've been got. Anyway, so, so at ten thirty p.m. that evening, Judith still had not arrived home, so her parents called the police. Large-scale search took place, and at 4:30 p.m., two trainee soldiers searching the fields surrounding Comerford Lane. Well, they comb in the area. <laughs> <laughs> the body was hidden behind well-foot hedge and was covered with leaves, fertilizer sacks, and a sheet of asbestos. And they still cover dis- up her bad hair, do? <laughs> she was discovered less than a mile from her home. Judith had been attacked from behind with a heavy blunt instrument, and her skull was fractured into eighteen pieces. Lazy. Witness said he had he had seen a, a man wearing work clothes and Wellington boots walking and talking to Judith at the street end of Comerford Lane. Another witness described seeing a Morris Minor car on the lane. Sutcliffe had already established a habit of approaching talking with his victims before smashing them over the back of the head. He also owned a Morris Minor. Despite a description matching that of Sutcliffe's, Andrew Evans, 17-year-old soldier with learning difficulties, was arrested for the murder of Judith Roberts. I thought you were going to say he was arrested for giving her a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Suffering delusional depression... Evans confessed to Robert's murder, and although he had retracted his statement, he was jailed for 25 years. 1997, his conviction was quashed. Is that what police used to do in the 70s? They just find find, the local retard and just fucking stick him up. They just find... Just find someone who's not likely to ask for a lawyer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, was it Stefan Kitschko was the same, weren't he? He weren't, he weren't a full and, ticket, was he? And, he got and uh, Barry George as well. That, Barry George was hey, the Barry same. George, and I, I, I'll, be, I'll be, come on, but he's talking about Barry George now. Barry George definitely oh, yeah. killed Jill Dando. Barry George is basically 007. Yeah. And, <laughs> he jumped, he jumped three double-decker buses on, on roller skates. And, and you're saying that he can barely lift the gun? But um, no, he didn't do that murder. It's, I I can't believe that he was locked up for that. But uh, and at the time, I I I was following the case, and uh, I I didn't believe it. But um, that yeah, it would happen these days George, anyway. Though, he jumped three double decker buses on roller skates. That's an actual Does... fact. That really yeah. is a thing. It's I suppose see, so. Barry yeah. George did the double. Does make he, sense. he convinced them that he did that. He he did it. Convinced them that he didn't do it because he was too much of a retard. But like me and Hobbit are on to him, aren't we, Hobbit? Hobbit. Anyone who jumps buses on roller skates is capable of killing Joel Dando. So I suppose you have got a point there. Yeah, I mean, how can you, how can you jump three double-decker buses yet be too retarded to lift the gun? He was it's, mountain climbing. He was translating Sumerian into ancient Greek. <laughs> He did it all, but he was functionally retired. It's like, oh, yeah, he's only got an IQ of 74. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not, we're, not, we're not having any of your Snipes business with Barry George, uh, Ian. All right, fair enough. Anyway, this particular retard in question uh, was, had his conviction quashed in 1997 
He was awarded one million squids in at least, at least they did it in a timely manner, didn't they? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, let's move on to some more unsolved cases. He's still haunted by that. He's still haunted by that haircut to this day. Um, Barry George <laughs> did get a good payoff, though. And he yeah, was he inside did. for eight is, years, I think. Is, Bar- Barry George is, is literally 007, isn't he? But... He's fucking loaded now. That money was basically hush money. MI6 said, here's a briefcase of unmarked, it's on sequential 20 and £50 notes. Now fuck off. <laughs> Good job. At noon on Wednesday, the 12th of September, 1973, 32-year-old office worker Wendy Sewell left her office at the Forestry Commission in Bakewell, Derbyshire, headed for the local cemetery at Yeld Road. Why Wendy went to the cemetery that lunchtime is not clear. A work colleague said that she was overheard talking in her office to an unknown man who had a distinctive high-pitched voice. Shortly afterwards, she told her boss that she was stepping out to get some air and began her, to make her way to the cemetery. At 12.50pm, she was seen by several people entering the graveyard through the main entrance on Yeld Road. At the same time, a 17-year-old cemetery worker called Stephen Downing was about to leave the burial ground to walk home for his lunch break. Just after 1pm, Wendy Sewell was subjected to a sustained frenzied attack close to the consecrated chapel in the cemetery grounds. It was garroted with a ligature and smashed on the back of the head from behind at least eight times with a pickaxe handle. A few minutes later, Stephen Downing walked back up the old road and found Wendy lay face down and heavily bloodstained but still alive lying on the footpath in the cemetery downing went to get help and wendy was taken to hospital she went into a coma and died two days later from the onset derbyshire police viewed downing as the prime suspect though downing was 17 at the time he had learned he had learning difficulties see a pattern emerging Mm -hmm. and had a reading age of an 11 year old Blood of the victim, blood of the victim on Stephen's clothes, but this got there when he tried to help her. For a miscarriage of justice, Stephen Downing served 27 years for the murder. So I think the moral of this story: if you discover a body, don't report it to the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in 2002, Downing's conviction was quashed, and he was awarded 750,000 squids in compensation. It had been described as one of Britain's worst miscarriages of justice. Other evidence had shown that Wendy Sewell was also garroted before being beaten, methods used by Peter Sutcliffe. He was probably disturbed before he could finish the job off, and Stephen Downing found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's a bastard, isn't it? Hmm. So, uh, yes. Over so... to... Over to you, Ian. <laughs> okay, then. So, yeah, circumstantially, this uh, again could have been Sutcliffe. Graveyard as well, which he, uh, which he, uh, which he liked. Anyway, okay, then. So, let's run with some more cases. So, um, let's go on to the next oh, one. Oh, he's still sticking so, to the bad haircut picture. 
Uh, oh, we'll we'll just we'll just admire that for the moment. We'll change it in a, we'll change it in a bit, but we'll just uh, keep that there just to remind us of how things were in those days. So, at 7 a.m. on Friday, the 22nd of February, 1974, the lifeless body of 24-year-old prostitute Rosie Hillard was discovered by lorry driver a lorry driver on the on a building site on Spinney Road, Leicestershire. Yeah. She had been strangled, and her skull had been shattered from behind, probably with a hammer. Is there, is there no honour amongst lorry drivers? He should have recognised the fellow lorry drivers were yeah, actually yeah. and kept, kept stumped. Rosie had been spotted at 1.30am in the morning of her murder, touting for business, half a mile from where her body was discovered. Witnesses told police that they had seen a Morris Minor or a Ford Escort motor vehicles in the area on the night of her attack, and tyre prints from a Ford vehicle were discovered near the murder scene. A couple who were out walking near Spinney Road at 2am didn't witness the murder, but they said they heard the sound of high revving engine, evidently trying to free itself from muddy ground coming from the building site. The attack fitted the MO of Sutcliffe's of a Sutcliffe attack, and at the time, police records showed that um, he would have been the owner of a Morris Minor or a Ford Capri. What's that mean? Which could easily be like he could have owned a Morris Minor or a Ford Capri. Yeah, obviously around this time, it, you know, yeah. obviously records show that uh, around this time he was the owner of those vehicles. Maybe they couldn't pinpoint the dates. Um, so a Capri, which could be in dark, you know, in in the um, in in dark light, could be mistaken for an escort. So, so yeah, could Sutcliffe have travelled to Leicester to attack Rosie Hillard? Spinning Road is just off the A forty seven, the main trunk road that leads to the M one, which connects the East Midlands to West Yorkshire. The pattern of Sutcliffe's offending showed that he typically favoured sites offering clear and quick escape routes to motorways. The murder of Rosie Millard will never be solved. But like so many of these cases, she was killed by a man whose method, technique and emotional signature very closely matched that of Peter Sutcliffe. So yeah, again... Could it be a Sutcliffe murder? Did he have reason to be in the area? In that area? Well, he had access to the area, see? So we don't know, you know, maybe... Well, I don't know. He has, he has access to the whole of the United Kingdom, doesn't he? Did he have kind of... Did they, have they got yeah. any kind of movement? But ease of access to, you know, he, with, the mo- with the new motorways, he's, you know, he could do it in less than an hour from where he lived sort of thing. You know, obviously, if it was a murder in Cornwall, then, then it would be a bit more... Uh, Difficult, but uh, anyway. Plus, it, around this time, he would, be, would have been working as a lorry driver as well, so he would be travelling around, you know. So yeah. So let's just look at another another crime. Be with me. So on Friday, the first of March, nineteen seventy-four, thirty-seven-year-old typist Kay O'Connor was at her home at number eight Wick, Wickham Road, Colchester, Essex. At around 4pm, a neighbour heard strange noises coming from Kay's kitchen. She peered through the back window and saw Kay lying in a pool of blood on the kitchen floor. 
When the police arrived at the scene, they discovered that Kay had been strangled, then stabbed, kicked and punched in a frenzied attack. The murders had been carried out brutally and quickly, giving her no chance to scream, let alone crawl for help. A large-scale police investigation into the crime proved fruitless. Reports of a man seen in the area at the time of Cray's murder described the suspect as around five foot six inches tall of medium build and wearing heavy work clothes. His most noticeable feature was a pair of large bushy sideburns that almost met at the corners of his mouth. No arrest was made and the murder remains unsolved. Though Sutcliffe lived more than 200 miles from this crime scene, his sister did happen to live less than 50 miles away in neighbouring Cambridgeshire, and he would make regular trips to visit her. He most likely, his most likely and logical route would take him very close to Colchester, and these factors, plus Sutcliffe's history of almost identical attacks on other women, should have linked him to this murder. But it wasn't to be, so... Because of police Again. Well, it's just method of attack and plus opportunity. Um, you know, could well have been Sutcliffe, could have been someone else, but we'll never know, so... Yeah, some of them seem a bit of a stretch, don't they? Yeah, but um, they're unsolved. 50 miles and... from his sister's house. It's, it's well, bit... no, but it is route. the route would take him past... Colchester, very close to Colchester. So, that's yeah, actually in a woman's with... house, though, wasn't it? I mean, was she a prostitute? Well, in those days, though, people would leave their doors unlocked, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be. It wasn't like today. So I don't know. That, know. That's, I don't know. I think those kind of house invasion type of things. I think those those are kind. Of, they those seem like they're more they're more done by like absolute like like people who've who've done a lot of checking the area, don't mm. they? Or yeah. like, well, no, there was, um, you know, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, he did a lot of house attacks, but wasn't very meticulous, and his, his murders were wildly different, so... Be, but he, te- he, um, he tended to kill a lot of families, he killed entire families, didn't he? He very rarely killed lone women, did he? Hmm. So what, what, I, mean, yeah. what I mean is, would you, like, randomly... Bro- Randomly rock up, see if someone's see if see if a woman's in her kitchen, and it, maybe just... she was on the game though. You don't know. Well, that's that's been. what I'm saying. Was she on the game? Um, yeah, it, well... it didn't specify, and maybe she was yeah. on the side. You know, some some um, there is some of the uh, some of the Sutcliffe attacks, the ones he was convicted of, um, that were on the game. People didn't know that. Their family didn't even know that until after after. It happened. So, so did, um, I'm not... has anybody asked him why you done it? Who Sutcliffe? Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's a uh, head case, God, isn't God, he? Obviously, God told him to do it, didn't he? yeah, God, God. You know, one of his, one of his thing, one of his. Um, he said God told he had voices telling him to do it. God told him to clean up the streets. But you know, that's oh, just what he said. Was... No, basically, he did it because he was a necro- necrophiliac, and that's that's what turned him on. Killing women uh, was his. You know, that's what that's what got him going. Basically, killing women and drug, oh. drug driving. Mm, that's that's He's what like it was. Being reverse gay, Dennis Nielsen. Mm. Yeah, reverse Dennis gay. Nielsen was probably had the same uh, the same. Same type of thing, but anyway, let's Nielsen look at... only used to kill kill people after he got blind drunk, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> best, it seems almost like he didn't they... want to do it, didn't it? It was weird. With yeah. they weren't going to struggle then, though, were they? So, 
after he got drunk, not that he's victim. Yeah, no, no, right, no. He, right, got, he had to get bl- he, he got blind drunk before he murdered them. He got them both drunk, didn't he? Hmm. Anyway, all right. Let's look at it. Let's look at another case. On Wednesday, the tenth of April, nineteen seventy-four, seventeen-year-old nanny Caroline Ann left her employer's house at Warner Avenue in the Nottingham suburb of Bramcote. She planned to catch a bus to her home, fifteen miles away in the village of Kinolton. By 8pm, the weather had turned. The night was cloudy and overcast, with visibility rapidly fading. When she didn't arrive home, uh, Nottinghamshire Constabulary began a missing persons inquiry. Caroline was known to have frequently hitchhiked locally, and it was assumed that she had done so that evening. More than 100 officers combed the area with tracker dogs, and appeals were made for sightings. One witness came forward and said that she had seen a girl matching Caroline's description talking to a driver of a lime green coloured Lotus Europa car in Edwalton, roughly halfway between Bramcote and Kinolton. What made the sighting memorable was that the driver had been travelling on the opposite direction and had turned around when he saw the hitchhiking young girl. After a brief conversation, she was seen getting into the vehicle, which drove off southwards uh, along the A46, connecting Nottingham with Leeds. This was possibly the last time that Caroline was seen alive. Twenty months later, on the 3rd of December 1975, a walker out for an afternoon shooting found a skeletal and fully decomposed body in uh, Old Dolby Wood in Little Belvoir, Leicestershire. The wood was six miles from Caroline's home. The corpse was identified by a watch engraved with Caroline's name still clinging to the remains. Must have been a gruesome sight to come across. A post-mortem showed that Caroline had been beaten around the back of the head, though lack of flesh made it difficult to establish if any stabbing or strangulation had taken place. Though Sutcliffe did not own a lime green Lotus at the time of the murder, he did own a lime green Ford Capri. So if we go to the next picture there, Hemi, let's just look look. at the two cars. This is a comparison. Let's look at the side-by-side comparison and just see if you could be mistaken. Because obviously... (coughs) So uh, so he he literally owned the Prattmobile from uh, Only Fools and Horses then? Yeah, or the that's or the professionals mobile, but obviously the the Lotus. Well, you remember the Prattmobile from Only Fools and Horses? That literally was lime green, weren't it? Jim, the, <laughs> yeah, so, I'll buy that, that that comparison. Yeah. In dark light, and also, well, we'll look at this now. I don't know. You got they round are both... and square lights, though, and you know, I, I yeah, be, but you know, you know. the snipes in the room. Visibility was visibility light. was poor. Yeah, and they are enthusiast. You're not you're not gonna. Immediately recognise. Yeah. Whilst we're but looking what... at some classic cars, there, can I just say, why, why do modern cars go? Oh yeah, we're just gonna have a polycarbonate thing for your headlights, which goes misty. Why can't mm. we have glass? Glass doesn't go misty. Mm. Probably glass is racist or something. <laughs> <laughs> like plastic. None yeah. of my friends like plastic. Yeah. Um, anyway, though they are very different cars, they do both possess, uh, possess 
sporty appearance and in low visibility as it was at the time, could the witness be mistaken? Also, Sutcliffe's Capri had a black roof in contrast to the lime green body, which at a distance may did give the, it more the, of a lotus-like appearance. Did the witness actually say it was a, it was a lotus? Yeah, but, you know, they say anything, don't they? You know, they they can oh, be mistaken, I don't, I don't though, can't know. they? If someone says a lotus, then they know a bit more about cars. And the, uh, yeah, it normal. could be. I think if they were like someone who didn't know anything about cars at all, they'd go, oh, it's a Could have been a... Yeah, but maybe it was a right, complete fucking idiot who said it, you know, you could, do, could just say those things. Then again, but, and also the memory recall with witnesses is... Yeah. Absolutely fucking dipshit. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> thus far... Give, kid. Yeah, remedial, the remedial kids. Thus far, there isn't strong enough evidence to firmly point the finger at Sutcliffe for this murder. However, on the 1st of April, 1974, nine days before Caroline's murder, Sutcliffe's sister, Maureen, she comes back into it again, well, gave birth Maureen to a second child. Film. Yeah. <laughs> she gave birth to a second child, and within a week, she was back at her home in Duxford, Cambridgeshire. The most logical route that Peter would have taken to visit his sister and her family would take him past Melton Mowbray and on through Leicestershire and past the southern edge of Nottinghamshire, where Caroline Anne disappeared. Where was he coming this from? This would have been a trip that Sutcliffe made on a regular basis. Oh, the murder remains unsolved. Where was he coming from? And relax. He'd get on the A1, but- wouldn't he? Well, I don't know. In those days, though, you didn't have so many roads, did you? That's what it says here, anyway. I'm not going to... But, yeah, so... I don't really know the roads are in that way, but... um, And also, in those days, there weren't as many roads, were there? So, so there you go. Could he have done that? We don't know. We'll never know. But what we might know is that Dom is going to tell us a few more cases before we round up. Yeah, before we not going to tell us a few more wanna, cases. I don't want to be that guy, but it's, it seems they're just trying to clear up all the Hallam, Ham, Hammer murders in the United Kingdom. Well, it's more, it's not even the, um, you know, this is just, you know, suggestion. It's not even, it's not even done by the police. This is more than independent, uh, independent investigators because the police don't want, you know, they don't want any more to do with it. But um, we'll listen to the next cases that Dom's going to tell us and then we can make up our mind. Go for it. So, at around 7.30pm on Monday the 11th of November 1974, 28-year-old Gloria Wood was crossing some playing fields. She headed to her flat on the Homewood Estate in Bradford's southeast fringes, less than five miles away from where Sutcliffe and his wife Sonia lived at the time. Gloria said the following. Um, where, where was she from? Bradford. Oh no, I'm not going to do the accent. Okay. I was coming through the school grounds. This man approached me. He came up to me and said, Can I carry your bag, love? I said, No thanks. I haven't got far to go. Seemed a right big man with staring eyes, dark brown eyes, and he was olive skin coloured. Black, not white, but Mediterranean looking, Greek or Italian. He had a beard, a black beard and black hair. That, would, that impression would be the last thing that Gloria Wood knew until she woke up in Leeds Hospital the following day. 
She'd been smashed on the back of the head with a ball-peen hammer and had slumped unconscious to the ground. Gloria had suffered a brutal attack in which the hammer had struck four blows, caving in her skull and leaving tiny splinters in her brain. The attacker didn't finish her off as there were some youths nearby which must have interrupted him. She was discovered almost dead and rushed to hospital. See, I would have used gun because <laughs> then you could kill her easily and kill the youth nearby yeah machine gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah see this is more like it it's local area not too far mm. this this, yeah. is, this is this seems more plausible to me anyway less than an hour after this attack Peter Sutcliffe clocked in for a night shift mm. at his then workplace Anderton International Factory. The distance between the crime scene and the factory was no more than six miles. Gloria Wood is adamant that she was attacked by Peter Sutcliffe. Is angry that she has never been. He has never been charged with the crime. Yeah, the times match up nicely there. <clears throat> yeah, that, that, does, that, does does the attack then goes to work? It's convincing because it, yeah, it's his mo and his his neighbourhood basically. And it's, and it's yeah. local, a little local area. It's not too. But even so, the others you can you can put him in the locale where he was travelling around. Though there was no, that some factor. of them like fifty miles from his sister and stuff like that. I think that's a bit. Well, but if he was in the area though during his journey, that's the thing. I, I, anyway. I don't know. I mean, is there, is there enough? Um, so, say you're a serial killer. Is there enough information to weigh up? Whether you can get away, get away with murdering someone just when you're passing them on the road, I think there's a bit. That's probably the best. Well, that's probably the best time, isn't it? Because you're that you'll no doubt be travelling. Um, yeah. If you're well out of the area, aren't you? Just go passing through, do the murder, then then go two hundred miles away. Then uh, you know. Kind of roadside roadside murders, I'd put in the bracket, but I don't think I'd put in the one like the house invasion one because I don't. Mm. It doesn't sound mm. a lot like his mo, does it? I mean, he was like, wasn't he schizophrenic or something? No, well, he he said he was because well, his wife was, and because oh. his wife was, he knew he knew what schizophrenic people did. So he yeah, he was bullshitting. All the God told me to do. Yeah, he, so he made it. He was, but yeah. uh, if he yeah. was truly mentally ill, he just would he wouldn't have got away with it for so long. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And being like, so cool, being so cool, and um, you know, in his interviews when he was being interviewed those nine times before, yeah, so it's probably sociopathic. Mm. Um, on the fifth of July, nineteen seventy-five, Sutcliffe's official reign of terror would begin. He attacked Anna Rogalski, the hammer. <laughs> Impeccable <laughs> pronunciation there, Doc. <laughs> Do you work for the BBC, Dom? <laughs> Look, I'm on. I'm. I'm halfway through my fourth pint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do it without peeing? I I do during Ian's bits. Uh, that's why you take it in tag teams. I always wondered. <laughs> so then, in October of the same year, he attacked Olive Smelt with a hammer. Both of these women survived the attack. 30th of October 1975, first accredited murder took place when he killed Wilma McCann. 
And in January 1976, he murdered Emily Jackson. In May of 1975, he attacked Marcella Claxton, but had a miscarriage in, as a result. Um, so, in 1977, would have been born by then, Sutcliffe murdered Irene Richardson, Patricia Atkinson, and Jean Jordan. Oh, you're missing attacked... out 1976. <laughs> he stabbed 42 year old Emily Jackson 52 times. Oh. That's the that's quite sad. That uh, Emily mentioned... Jackson one. Oh, did you uh, did you uh, mention her? Mentioned Emily Jackson, but uh, yeah, it was yeah. It that's was quite skint. sad. That one, isn't it? Because they they were absolutely skint. So her husband took her along. Uh, a, a, a husband took her mm. along to the thing, didn't he, or something? Her husband know. was a roofer. And, yeah, yeah. And did she it... used to use the va- the the roofing the van that he used for his roofing. Yeah. She used to use that stick a mattress in the back and take punters there. Yeah. So he also attacked Marilyn Monroe. No, sorry, Marilyn Moore, <laughs> who survived. And so they 30. were official. Those ones were the ones that he was actually convicted of. These are official. So, yeah. mm. uh, if if only he'd murdered Jane McDonald, we wouldn't have that awful fucking singing gal on the telly, would we? <laughs> <laughs> he killed the wrong no, Jane like... McDonald in, in 1977. <laughs> Okay, go for it. Right, at 10.30 on the morning of the 10th of October 1977, to Bruce Jones, who would later find fame playing the part of Les Battersby in Coronation Street, was working on his allotment in Manchester when he discovered the gruesome sight of murdered prostitute Jean Jordan. Jordan had been killed by Sutcliffe on the 1st of October, and this is where he dumped the body. He was one of the 13 murdered victims that he was subsequently found guilty of. The same day, October the 10th, 20-year-old Carol Wilkinson Wilkinson was attacked as she walked down a lonely lane on her way to work just before 9am Ravenscliff, Bradford. Hospital cook Stephen Smith found her lying in a pool of blood. Clothes had been ripped and she had been battered with two heavy stones. She spent three days in a coma after which she died. Initially, the attack had been connected to the Yorkshire Ripper attacks, but was later ruled out as there was no knife used. Uh, why would that? Yeah, that doesn't make sense, considering he usually used a hammer. Um, the police didn't make sense in those days, did they? <laughs> didn't use, no, that's how they thought, though. It's like, oh, he didn't use a knife. Well, it can't be a ripper murder. Then that must be a separate one, isn't it? So, <laughs> no, they did, the police did stupid things in those days. Well, they still do anyway. But, oh, they're, they're civil servants, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, especially that that, I, uh, that North Yorkshire force was fucking garbage, wasn't it? <laughs> Right, 18 months later, 22-year-old gardener with learning difficulties, Anthony Steele, was convicted of this murder. Fuck I think the police have really got it in for <laughs> retard. I used to love, love, like, oh, these retards, they must have thought, that, these retards, they, he must have, they must have thought they were trying to take over the world or something, because they'd always go it, for a retard every time, wouldn't they? Is it basically, look, mate, sign this and you can go? It's yeah. Just straight up lying to them. Yeah, Snopes. So then, look, I've checked someone it on to Snopes. manipulate. I've checked it on Snopes, lad. If you if you sign this, you can go home. 
Yeah, I think that's what they did. They like keep them in for like like eighteen hours or something, don't they? Because like, there was no rules on this stuff back then. The um the the the, the interviews weren't weren't or weren't taped, so they could say any old bullshit, make up any old bullshit, keep these kids in for as long as they wanted, and and then eventually when when the kids like had completely had enough, they'll go right. Don't worry, lad. Just sign this, and you can go home. It says. It says on there that you didn't do it and you can go home now. That's basically what they did to them, didn't they? Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, because they didn't ask for a lawyer, probably. Yeah. So um, there was a, a comedian, Tom Segura, does a does a does a bit on this. Um, he'd watched a program called The First Forty Eight Hours. It's where they try and convict people you know yeah. after a crime has taken place and he was just saying ones that didn't ask for a lawyer they would just end up admitting it and the ones that did like the police were like oh we're fucked <laughs> he's asked oh, no. for a lawyer what are we supposed to do now <laughs> what do you want a lawyer for are you guilty or something <laughs> <laughs> exactly in 2003, Steele's conviction for the murder was quashed by the Court of Appeal. Psychologists indicated that he was mentally handicapped and he had been framed for the murder. Steele was awarded £100,000 compensation for spending over 20 years in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. Well, this is basically the third one, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Carol Wilkinson's murder remains unsolved has the hallmarks of a ripper attack. So in January 1978, Sutcliffe murdered Yvonne Pearson using a hammer. Ten days later, he killed Helen Whitaker. Same way. April 1979, Sutcliffe killed Josephine Whitaker. In September that year, he murdered Barbara Leach. In August 1980, Sutcliffe murdered... Marguerite Walls and murdered Jacqueline Hall in November of that year. Also attacked three other women in nineteen eighty who survived. Yeah, I don't Suck really trust it. a lot of these murders. You know when you know when they say there's the murders and then there's like the big gap. I really don't trust mm. that there is a big gap. I think that they've well, that's where these that's it, where these cases come in, is isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this uh, this is well, the sort well, it of says his his first assault was in sixty nine. So. So he does one assault and then does absolutely nothing for six exactly, years. Exactly, yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these serial killers do tend to have big gaps. Yeah, so, the, but what yeah, I'm saying it, is, do they have big gaps, or is it just yeah, yeah that probably they found? It, yeah, uh, that also is down to opportunity because also like he couldn't drive. Well, dr- he couldn't drive in his early in his early days around '69. He couldn't drive yet, so that limits his opportunity. Plus, also he was doing. Um, he had a, a job doing night shift work, where it was just night shifts for a period in a factory. Again, if you're doing that kind of job, you're only going to see daylight. So again, your opportunity is limited. Plus, he was also with his girlfriend, spending time with her. So again, you know, if she's working or whatever, then he's alone. He can go and maybe do a crime. But it, you know, it depends on how much opportunity there is. Because you, you, know, you know the American serial killer Pee Wee Gaskins, because Pee Wee Gaskins stopped murdering because he, he found himself a wife and had a kid, didn't he? 
Mm. And then um, yeah, and out. also when a lorry driver is the perfect job for a serial killer, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hobbit. Yes, Hobbit. You, you can, you know, awesome. yeah. So where you, you're, you know, you're away from your family. You're away. You know, you you travel around. It's it's ideal. So and Jeremy Clarkson knows that. This, this sort of like you know stereotype of uh, long distance lorry driving, murdering prostitutes because you've got a monthly quota system. Just because there's a monthly quota, HGV drivers can do, doesn't mean that all like lorry drivers are serial killers. Just most of them are. I think they 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 typically murder um, immigrants mostly by like not having any um, air holes in the back of their truck. Got to keep the numbers down somehow. <laughs> oh, well, Dick Chrissy Sutcliffe. Patel's not going to do it, is she? No. Well, she hasn't got a HGV license. Anyway, did yeah. Sutcliffe carry out any attacks outside of the Circumstantial evidence suggests that he may have done. 30th of August 1980, in the city of Malmo, southern Sweden, 26 year old prostitute. Institute, uh, Teresa Thorling went out to sell her body in order to get money to fuel her own and her boyfriend's heroin habit. Oh, she's not really selling it, she's renting it, isn't she? She takes her body back yeah. home with her, don't she? <laughs> well, let's see a photo of her. Oh, no. Oh, God. This one, please. Oh, that's the car. Why does that move? I don't know. She's too, she's too pretty for him to murder. I, I, she's, yeah. I don't think she seems Bad like for a skaghead. <laughs> Bad for a skaghead. This is a black and white photo, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to see it with sex... makeup? Oof. Proper meth. Proper meth, meth face. The sex workers reported seeing Teresa around the Exergisden area. Oh, yeah. I, I exercise garden. I, I read that as sort of exercise, yeah. gar- so exercise garden. So exercise garden. <laughs> Which was a popular area for women of the night to sell their wares. Well, there's a lot the of horizontal saw... jogging going on there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> One woman saw her walking off with a client. Whilst another saw her talking to a man in a car, but no one remembered seeing her later that night. Two days later, on Monday afternoon, an old man collecting bottles for cash stumbled across Teresa's body in the stairwell of a derelict building that was scheduled for demolition. She had been uh, covered how, by how a How long was he considering in selling it to the local local college for uh, for research? What? <laughs> I said, I wonder if he was considering in sell it, selling, selling her body to the local, uh, local college for the re- research, you know, like a Burke and Hare job. Yeah, well, well done. Got a few quid for it. Yeah. Yeah. She had uh, been covered by a carpet, her clothing had been removed, and a square cut stick of wood had been forced into her rectum. Ooh, bloody hell. This mortem showed that Teresa had been killed on the Saturday by strangulation. Doctors noted a high level of narcotics in her blood. Before being killed, she had not. She had been hit on the head, on the back of the head, with a blunt object. This sort of crime was very rare in Sweden, and it was linked to another that had taken place in Gothenburg a few weeks earlier, on the twelfth of August. 
the sticking the sticking the ass though. It's too. I think it's too much of a deviation from his regular mo, don't you? Well, think? he did try. Um, he did try. Mm. We'll look at we'll look at the circumstantial evidence coming up. But you know, he did he did deviate occasionally with the um, with the one. I think with the the one that was. Um, I think the one that was found by Les Battersby. I think he tried to cut cut her head off, which wasn't his usual method. But he thought if I yeah, try and cut the I head mean, off, like, then that he has, he has think more that someone time. else. He has more time. He does more mutilation. I don't think he like. No, I think not... he did actually say though that what that there was one which he 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 tried to cut her head off in order to you know think make the police think that someone else had did it because that's not what yeah. he normally does. So. But yeah, but yeah, carry uh, on, Dominic. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand your argument, Hemi, but I mean, it's difficult because you're trying to apply logic to well, serial killers' yeah, behaviour. Like, so. Serial killers are well, kind of are kind of creatures of habit, though, aren't they? That's that's well, the yeah, they, they are pretty much set in their way. I'm not I'm not saying they're hundred percent never mm. ever deviate at all, mm. but there's like certain things that they do, mm. and I think there's certain certain things that they also don't. <laughs> have an mo but they evolve and sometimes that sometimes like like i said earlier like ramirez case that mo is doesn't seem to follow from the home invasion thing it doesn't seem to follow a, a pattern always well, well, he, you know he did it he did it because he thought there was something wrong with his blood and it was drying out in his veins and the only way he could get more but he thought his blood was turning to powder in his veins and the only way he could sort it out was by drinking blood but, uh, that, that um, was ramirez's yeah. like thing wasn't it but like I think yeah. I think the stick in the ass is like a big like step up, and I think yeah. if he started doing that, he would have carried on incorporating it in. I, I that that's just my thinking anyway. Yeah. Well, Hobbit's a Hobbit's a lorry driver. What do you do? Do yeah. you vary your mo, lo- <laughs> uh, Hobbit? <laughs> you always depends on if the vehicle's yeah. got rear wheel steering or not. In which yeah. case, you can just blame it as an accident because sorry, mate, not familiar with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But usually, it's the class one drive. The class one drivers are the best killers because yeah. they're the ones that are doing the long distance stuff up and down Europe, and that's why you can go to R- Romania, pick up a Romanian oh. bin, and then when she goes, "Pay me money," you'd be like, "Yeah, sorry, I don't speak prostitute," and that's when you, you know, put her over the uh, under the wheels. Yeah, I want to know actually, Hobbit is when you're driving up the A1, the lorry. <laughs> Yeah. And why are you overtaking at one mile an hour past the other lorry on the left lane? Yeah, what's fun that about? Story, fun story, because in the A1, you're only allowed to overtake at one mile no. above the speed, speed limit. But the other one is because uh, it, it's also... It's, it's a quarter of the fun of driving on the A1111, which is a much funner road. It's four times as fun as the A1, in fact. But why do you do that though? Why do you yeah. do that on motorways? Though? Why do they do that on motorways anyway? Why do, um, they, why do lorries overtake each other like in that way? It doesn't cause, you know, it doesn't upset me or anything. But I just, I just, you know, noticed that they put it this way: if if I, I was driving a lorry and I can see someone's trying to overtake me, like on the dual carriageway or something, and I'm say I'm speed limited to I think it's sixty-two miles an hour. Mm. Hang on, let me think about this. Fifty-six. I think. It's the speed limit's ninety kilometers an hour, um, which might be. Oh, I can't remember if that's sixty-two or sixty-five or something. But you failed. So, I'm so, you, give me your license back, Hobbit. 
Some some uh, some lorries drive slower than that because they got like uh, Asda, for example, they drive at sixty two. So um well, but in my case if... do they not do that anymore? Fifty six used to be the speed limit, didn't it? Mm. That has that that that's that doesn't answer the question though. Why do they why do those why do lorries keep overtaking each other like that? Because I'm they're bored the road and they up. find it fun. I mean, really? Was, yeah, pr pretty much. It's like mm. if they can see like they're gaining on the lorry, it's just like, well, I'm not letting my foot off. The speed limiter is making me go faster than your vehicle. So they'll overtake mm. and, you know, as long as it takes them to overtake, they'll do it. In my case, mm. I just let the foot off the gas so that they can get in. But if you're bored, why don't you just go and murder a prostitute? Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, that's when the taco breaks yeah. you, because mm. before it was a bit more lax, but now you're just like, oh, I've done my four and a half hours of driving, I've got to pull off and murder a prosy. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, well, let's just go back to this, this murder in Sweden, and um, so the, the second murder in Sweden, um, Mike Theresa, 31-year-old Gertie John Jensen, also a drug user and part-time sex worker. And like Teresa, she'd been found dead on a demolition site with her head smashed in from behind with a brick. At the time of these murders in Sweden, Sutcliffe was working as a long-distance lorry driver, a profession that gave him ample opportunities to carry out his murderous lifestyle. Some of his journeys took him overseas, and records show that he was on the passenger list. Are you saying, are you saying murdering is, isn't a disease, it's a lifestyle? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's murderous <laughs> lifestyle. It's, yeah. uh, it's my <laughs> lifestyle choice, and you should respect it. <laughs> you told the world, I mean, back in the 70s, they're going all the way as far as India to murder, but now yeah. they're over here, they don't have to travel so far to, you know, to state their... Ethnic killing spree. <laughs> Carry on, Dom. Um, yeah, some of his journeys took him overseas. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, um, some of... Yeah, was on the passenger <laughs> list that places him on board the ferry between Malmo, Sweden and Bangor, Denmark the days Excellent before and after these two murders. You, you considered a job at the BBC without excellent pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad. To the World Service, this. <laughs> look up, look up, um, world's worst newsreader. He's <laughs> 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 much worse than me, and I think it, yeah, it's some comedian from Africa trying to read out football results. Oh dear, yeah. Like, then well, there was another one from Africa. Um, where he, uh, this African guy talks to a uh, female gay rights activist, and he's just gay. Why are you gay? Why are you gay? Wait, are you Stop gay? being gay. We know. We know. <laughs> we, we are familiar gay. with this clip. <laughs> Why are you gay? Just stop being gay. Anyway, uh, so the circumstances put Sutcliffe in the frame, but there was no investigation. And no one charged him. That's interesting, though, isn't it? The fact that he was on the ferry. So he was definitely in the area at the time, in Sweden, of all places, when that happened. So those yeah. murders particularly are, um, are no doubt. Do, 
you believe the kind of theory of like you know overseas murders like the 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 one that Jack the Ripper was an American and he was the guy that had the torture house in America. Oh yeah, well, H. H. Holmes. Yeah. The thing is, we don't we don't really know anything about Jack the Ripper though, do we? Because it was never solved. Whereas this yeah. we know we know who it was. So yeah. So you know who's got great tits? Jack the stripper. <laughs> well done, I can't I've been thinking I've been trying to think of some as well, but I can't. <laughs> to think of a Ipper word with I oh, want about the guy know, that murdered X. all the puppies Jack the Yipper uh, Desperate um, Anyway okay then uh, The man so who that's killed the, so that... many he put them in the back of his big truck and he uh, he had to dump them in a quarry um, Jack the Tipper Jamaica <laughs> uh, Alaska Fuckerada <laughs> Jamaican Jamaican um, me crazy <laughs> All oh, right. Anyway, okay. What we'll do, we'll 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 tie this up. Then I'll just uh, we'll just conclude this. So I'll just uh, so yeah. We've looked at those cases. You know, yeah. Some of them. I some think, of I them. Think you just, I think you're just slandering the good name of uh, Peter Sutcliffe. Yeah, but you know, but yeah. On a serious note, some of them. Yeah, some of them could have been. Uh, probably weren't carried out by him. Others definitely were but we'll never know he's you know so let's just tie this up now anyway what was, so. so what was he like at, uh, uh, what was he like at confessing i mean was he a guy that was proud of his work and he didn't mind confessing once? well because some of them once you get him in there they'll sing like a canary and tell you everything they're like they're like chunk they're he like did but then the he sort of they? he did but then he sort of tried the um Tried to make out he was a nutter, wasn't he? So to get it, yeah, yeah, to get God, his, maybe, you know, yeah. you get, if you're if you are actually mad, then if you are properly mental, then you're not as responsible for your murders as if, uh, you know. But yeah, that's what he tried, but he didn't. It didn't really work. But we can come on to that. But I think the anyway. ones that can, the ones that confess are psychopathic, mm. that they believe what they're doing is right, and so and they're very uh, self-centered and. Well, they, they want the notoriety they should... for it, don't they? they, they yeah, basically, whereas, it was so... whereas sociopathic mm. uh, people they don't care whether they're mm. right or not, basically. Yeah. Mm. Well, you get the ones that anyway. kind of enjoy holding back, don't you? Like the, uh, I mean, what do you what do you think to like Brady and thingy? Do you think they enjoyed holding back the the the, the evidence, or do you think they did try to help? I, th- I think Bra- I think Brady might have had some genuine remorse, but no, nah, they both. Um, Hindley was Hindley came forward in the eighties with just to try and get out of prison, but it didn't work. So yeah, and she died she was, in prison. So tough she was, shit in it. She was what, definitely you know. controlling him. You can see, you can see that. Well, Brady, no, I think it was the other way with with Brady and him. Hindley, I think you know Brady was the the leader. She was just she was just. <laughs> Oh no! When we went over it, we we yeah. you remember the Brady and Hindley, don't you, Hobbit? He was he was just he was a he was a puppet. I don't really? know quite put if quite puppets. Yeah, yeah, she was definitely the. I mean, all that bullshit about her sitting in. Oh, so I used to sit in the van. I didn't like doing the murders. I th- I think she, she was, was convicted. She, that's I what she was, she was convicted on. Though she not, was convicted, if not the driver, she was convicted as being you know an accomplice to murder rather than actually carrying it out. No, if, if you, you know? if you really read it and look into it, you can see that she was the the mm. the driver the driver if not the because she used to come out with this board. Oh, I was always sitting in the other room like pretending she was mm. sitting in the room doing all the murders, but it's not. 
I don't I don't believe she's just as bad as him, if not worse. Well, it, it was, you you can tell but, she's a wrong one because as soon as she got into prison, she 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 lodged she lodged a, lodged a, um she lodged an appeal as soon as she got into prison. Mm. Prison didn't even let the dust settle. And was and was and was letting it up with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Were they What's fucking it? each other? Who? Oh. Uh, Hindley and Brady. Yeah, I think mm. they were. I think I think she used. They were a couple. Used sex. Yeah, she was using her minge to drive his murders. Yeah, well, you can you can see through <laughs> all throughout her uh, uh, prison years how manipulative she was. I'm not saying Brady's innocent by any means because he, you know, he participated in it. He's just as bad as she is. But I think she was. She seemed to be the senior partner in the in in the. Cause it wasn't until they got together. Brady wasn't doing anything on his own until they got together, was it? Mm. Nor, nor was I mean, well, yeah. he, he had the ideas, though, and he had killed animals. But, uh... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, well, yeah, when, it's difficult. personalities like that get together mm. and they just kind of feed off each other and... Yeah, the thing is, is, though, he couldn't... He, you have to get a child... Uh, you have to abduct a child... Um, to do the murder, and he couldn't do that alone. He needed a woman with him. Yeah, you know, I mean, a, a child will go with it. Uh, will go with a woman, well, and that's yeah. how. Yeah, She's and he would an follow on the much. So she would she would get the child into the car, and he'd yeah. follow on his motorbike. So you know, or something like that. Anyway, but they're yeah, both yeah, dead. They, they, like, they were like for they were like Fred and Rose, weren't they? Like you, mm. you couldn't tell which one. But anyway. Anyway, let's go back and let's just tie up this case yep. anyway. So, on the 2nd of January 1981, Sutcliffe was stopped by police when he was with 24-year-old prostitute Olivia Reavers in, in the driveway of Light Trades House in Melbourne Avenue, Brumhill, Sheffield. Check was carried out on Sutcliffe's car and it was revealed that he had false number plates. He was arrested and taken to Dewsbury Police Station in West Yorkshire. His intention had been to kill the prostitute, but the police had no idea who they had in custody after their initial arrest. Before being taken to the police station, Sutcliffe had asked if he could have a piss, and the police let him go to a, a nearby water tank to have a slash. It was then that Sutcliffe discarded a knife, hammer, and rope that he had on his person. He had a second knife in the toilet system at the police station upon his arrival. Police had their suspicions about Sutcliffe and his appearance matched many of the physical descriptions of the Yorkshire Ripper. He was questioned extensively about the murders and was kept at the police station overnight. The following morning, the sight of Sutcliffe's arrest at Melbourne Avenue Sheffield was searched and the murder weapons that he had dumped there the night before were found. The game was up and Sutcliffe admitted that he was the Yorkshire Ripper. So there you go. That's how he was uh, he was um, <coughs> caught. <clears throat> after all those um, after all those hours of police investigation and all that money spent he was just caught you know by a, by a general check and also that was when it was found that he was wearing his own design of sort of undergarment which was a sweater worn on his legs with a v-neck 
exposing himself so that he could pleasure himself whilst carrying out uh, his deeds. So obviously there was a sexual element uh, in his killings. Um, Sutcliffe was sentenced to 20 life sentences in prison for the murders of 13 women and attempted murder of seven others. He began his sentence at HM Prison Parkist on the 22nd of May 1981. He was transferred to Broadwall Hospital for Nutters in March 1984, where he spent the most of the rest of his life. He was transferred from Broadmoor to HMP Franklin in Durham in August 2016. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> On the 10th of January 1983, whilst in Parkhurst, 35-year-old career criminal James Costello, who had several convictions for violence, followed Sutcliffe into the recess of the prison wing. He then confronted Sutcliffe and plunged a broken coffee jar into the left side of his face, creating wounds that required 30 stitches. So if you go to the next um, picture there, uh, Hemi, we can actually see the damage that was done um, to Sutcliffe, which will be good. No, he did we'll a good job, didn't he? To... Nearly took his eye, didn't he? Yeah, not bad, not bad. He uh... looks like sloth. Hey, you yeah. guys. <laughs> hey, guys. It's not bad. Those are not, it's not a bad effort. Considering you're not allowed, you have to improvise your weapons in prison. He's, that's quite good. So... On the 23rd of February 1996, Sutcliffe was attacked by fellow Broadmoor patient Paul Wilson, who tried to strangle him with the cable from a pair of stereo headphones. On the 10th of March 1997, Sutcliffe was attacked by fellow Broadmoor patient Ian Kay. He stabbed Sutcliffe in the eye with a pen, causing the loss of vision in his left eye, and his right eye was severely damaged. On the 22nd of February 2007, Sutcliffe was attacked by fellow Broadmoor patient Patrick Sarida, who lunged at him with a cutlery knife while shouting, You fucking raping, murdering bastard, I'll blind you in your other fucking one. Um, Sutcliffe flung himself backwards and the blade missed his eye, stabbing him in the cheek. So that was, uh, that was unlucky. So, But, you know, that's good, though, isn't it? The fact that he's had these attacks over the years. So that's something. I found, anyway. I found. Did you know you had a handwritten sign in his in his lorry, and it said, um, in, yeah, yeah. "In this truck is a man whose latent genius, if unleashed, would rock the nation. Whose dynamic energy would overpower those around him. Better let him sleep." <laughs> Thing is, in in probably another version of the simulation we're in, he could be uh, our prime minister. <laughs> prime minister, certainly. <laughs> Anyway, um, so, <clears throat> on, on the 13th of November 2020, Sutcliffe died, age 74. He had been suffering from diabetes and heart problems for many years, but it was a bout of COVID-19 that finished him off. So there we go, that's... COVID, not all bad. That's the end. There we go, so, yeah, exactly. Was it so just... from covid yeah, I, I was going to say that. It's probably the diabetes, the, yeah. all the sugar that prostitutes were giving him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, then what we'll do, uh, we'll just finish off with a few pictures now. So <laughs> let's go to the next illustration there, please, Hemi. <coughs> yeah. 
So these are the photo fits that um, <coughs> there. So these are the various photo fits from witnesses during the investigation. The bottom, the bottom right-hand corner there. Those two photos are actually Sutcliffe himself, but we can see the various that's uh, Rolf, likenesses. That's Rolf Harris on the right-hand side, isn't it? Yeah, Rolf he was Harris probably involved. Beard. Yeah, <laughs> looks like a character creation screen. Yeah. So, Is it, but there's so a few. When, when there rumours that. That Sutcliffe knew Jimmy Savile before the murders or during. Well, the we'll get on to that, won't we? Yeah, oh, so go on to the uh, yeah. <laughs> so go on to the next picture. We'll have a closer look at some of the uh, photo fits. Fucking out, Jimmy Earl. They... up there, isn't it? <laughs> so there's so there's, uh... so there's Sutcliffe on the okay, right. I'd I'd love to know that photo. one second second one down on the left. I'd love to know if that man actually exists with a head like that. Uh, well, that one there. Why the long face? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to admit though, the bottom one—that's not exactly that. Those two there—that's not a very good. Um, whoever put this together, those two don't really look that similar. But uh, remember, yeah, so. Yeah, and I remember you saying that to me. Um, there was a girl sat opposite us with a very long face. Uh, <laughs> she had a long face. Yeah. Why the long face? I do like that joke, but anyway. Well, so there you go. There's um some of the photo fits, so you can see. Yeah, they do look like Sutcliffe. Let's go to the next picture. Well, let's look at a picture of Sutcliffe um in his <laughs> in his job in his graveyard. This is a uh, this is actually there he is. So he's right his beard. He's on that fucking tipper with. Looks like it, doesn't it? No, that's it looks like in the he's white. On that fucking on a tipper truck with fucking Fred West. Uh, that's him in his. Uh... It looks like he's having a very um, a relationship with someone, and he has a ghostly arm. The colours are very weird in the middle, aren't they? Oh. That's got to be a Photoshop, isn't it? He's having a reach around there, but yeah. yeah so there he is without his beard in his younger talk about days. The first thing that comes up. Hard at work. So. Go to the next picture, we can see during Sutcliffe's trial, he tried to justify his crimes by saying that he heard voices coming from a grave in Bingley Cemetery telling him to kill prostitutes. And uh, that is the actual grave there. Obviously, it's a Polish name. So it's uh, the grave of Bronislaw Zabolski. So uh, that's Polish for Brony fan, my mm. little pony. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you're ever are in they the area... voices or are they <laughs> interdimensional elves? Nah, he just made yeah. it up, didn't he? So if you, you know, get, <laughs> if you you just get get time in the loony bin instead of prison. So which is where he ended up anyway. So but uh, he was never released. So. Uh, just go to the next picture. Let's have a quick look at the next picture. What we got there? Uh, you should so. be. A, you want to find the one from uh, what's that crap? Two swords, like Louis Two. Yeah, swords. that's is the word. That's what. Is, is, that, is that from Louis Two Swords? Is it? Yeah. So this is. Um, Why is he standing in a cow? The pack? waxwork. The waxwork museum in Great Yarmouth, where there is actually a waxwork of Sutcliffe. <laughs> so you can take your family, your young, take a family day out to yeah, the wax work. museum. Yeah. I mean, what's the context of it, though? I mean, well, it's in, just, the, in, uh, in Madame well, Tussauds, apparently, they have apparently the when, when his sister thing. 
apparently when his sister lived in Blackpool, he was a huge fan of the Louis Two Swords up there. And he mm. used to go around the... Is it the syphilis ex- exhibits he was mm. a big fan of? Yeah, and I think the Chamber of Horrors had some sort of, like, ghoulish... Yeah, I think those ghoulish like displays. Of, that was like liked, a really, like, those. grim syphilis mm. thing that he was absolutely yeah. fascinated with. So, he was... Um, you know, when he was a grave digger, he would open the graves and uh, mess around with the dead bodies. It was no... Yeah. He was kind of immune to that sort of thing. All right, then. Let's go to the next picture, which is the best picture, I think. The most oh, look fucked at up that. picture. Oh, who's, the, who's that man in the middle there? Hmm. Nice there bit, we nice go. Bit moob, nice nice bit, of moob, <laughs> bit of moob going on there. Is he uh, traditionally... He's looking very busty in that photo, isn't he? Yeah, he's put on weight. But um, so in 1991, Jimmy Samoville introduced Peter Sutcliffe to Frank Bruner. Bruner was o- opening a new gym at Broadmoor Hospital when he met the Ripper. Bruner has since said that he did not know who it was at the time and Savile had set him up and was having some kind of sick do joke. You me- which, do you remember uh, when all the Savile stuff came out and the Ripper fucking disavowed him? Do you remember? <laughs> he got disav- Jimmy Savile got disavowed by the Yorkshire Ripper. That was uh, one of the one was. of the murders did take po- one of the murder one of the murder victims was discovered just behind um, his flat in Leeds, and he was he was actually interviewed about this. But so were so were a lot of men at the time, and obviously I remember everyone was shocked by Savile uh, revelations after his death. So yeah. when I was like. Seven years old, watching him on Jim will fix it. <laughs> I knew he was a fucking pedo. <laughs> hiding in plain, hiding in plain sight. I think they call that. <laughs> I just thought it was. Um, well, I just thought I just always thought he was shit, and his programs was you know Jim will fix it was oh, shit, and I didn't. Like, I, oh, never God, to, I never like, used to. I never used to. I never used to watch. God, it's Jimmy Savile, didn't you? Whenever he was on. <laughs> Well, I just thought this this is shit. This is shit. So I'm not going to watch it. So I didn't really, didn't yeah. really um, sort of. It was sort of irrelevant. So, but yeah, that was that's a pretty messed up picture, isn't it? And how, you know, um, yeah. So, but Savile used to he used to do voluntary work in hospitals and stuff. And Broadmoor was one of his hospitals that he used to do that, and he got to know the Ripper. So I don't think he was involved in the crime or anything, but obviously due to his macabre nature, he probably did get on quite well with the Ripper and was and was fascinated with what he had done. So yeah, so there we go. Let's yeah, go to he's, he's a wrong one, let's it? just go on to the next picture and just see. This is one of the last pictures uh, that was taken of Sutcliffe when he was released. Yeah. Uh, well, not released, but he was taken to hospital for something. And the oh, I'll tell, tell you what is black little, guy in the funny. background. If you, mm, if you Google Frank Sutcliffe Bruno. arguments inside, it comes up with Ed Sheeran. Mm. So, so it puts Ed Sheeran in the same bracket as the Ripper. <laughs> so well, I mean, yeah. he has he has done um Sheeran to humanity. His music. But yeah, so there we go. So it's <laughs> like that uh... black guy in the background. That's evidence of simulation theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, is that is that uh, what's his name again? But he does look a bit like George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does quite oh, there we go. But um, 
I think it's a good case, though. Even, even the general, the general Ripper case is good, and I think, and also it's a, a period of time as well, and the location, late seventies, early eighties in the UK, a gloomy time of social unrest, unemployment, the early days of Thatcher yeah, in the north of England. But as we, as we were oh. saying before, you're not going to get like that. That's the heyday of serial killers, isn't it? You're not going to you're not going to get another well, real big. It was there, yeah. it was grim up north, and the uh, and you know the and the Ripper being on the loose just sort of uh, was, was the cherry the on the cake. Yeah, wasn't was the cherry? I thought it got. I thought it was better up there. Now I don't. I don't know. I've not been up there. But, no, uh, no, that, that's not just still, still, is it? Well, at least they haven't got think... the Ripper on the loose anyway. I, I think serial killers. Uh, and the Manchester Canal Pusher, so uh, they got rid of one, and now they got two. Well, the Canal Pusher, they, they, just um, deny, they just deny, deny, deny all about that, aren't they? Uh, but the people at home, though, if you like, uh, if you like this uh, this case, though, on ITV Player, there is the. If you didn't see it at the time, you have got the Yorkshire Ripper, the Secret Murders, two part serial, which was shown last month, which I recommend. So have a look at that, and uh, and there you go. That's. Uh, and oh, oh, the the canal pusher that mm. reminds me of. No, I said Ivan Dobsky from Monkey Dust. Yes. Rival was the Canal Street Killer. From uh, reminds me of the Canal Pusher. Well, there's actually there's his actually back... one guy that. Oh, sorry, Dom. Karen. Oh yeah, yeah, I was just going to say that Canal Street Killer's backstory was um showed his backstory and it and it was said to his dad, Oh, Dad, can I play outside? And his dad said, Ah, that was his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, I just think people should be more work. Check out Monkey Dust. Amazing series. Uh, excellent. It's on BBC Three. <laughs> we'll keep an eye open for that then. Yeah. Uh, what's, well, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Uh, yeah, the canal pusher. There was one guy that survived the canal pusher, weren't there? Um, he had some bloke li- literally maniacally boot him into the canal, and the, and the bloke ran. The bloke was trying to crawl out, and the bloke ran in for another another go. But the bloke managed to pull himself out. But this this guy was an absolute loon, apparently. Mm. A real strange. Uh, and yeah, there was something about the the police weren't acknowledging he exists. Yeah, they're desperate. They're they're not even they're. Saying it's just a conspiracy theory, aren't they? So why not just? I'd go into like, go near a canal and wearing loads of webbing, and stuff, and hide in the bushes and have a big sledgehammer. Just wait for him. How about this one then? Uh, so I've, I just want to look at some other stuff. Yeah, behind bars, uh, Sutcliffe couldn't keep up with all the fan mail and love letters he'd get daily from besotted female fans desperate to capture his attention. His <laughs> conviction and confinement, confinement prevented his physical access to more victims, but now a sick stream of correspondence with women who chose to actively communicate with him. But these women are weird. Yes, there are. There are. There are. And uh, there is a documentary on that. I think it is on YouTube where uh, it's uh, some of those women are on there. Telling you about this, <laughs> if they write right. to him, meet him. So, and well, Damien says, "Don't we know the canal pusher?" No, we don't. For legal reasons, we can't name the canal <coughs> pusher, can we, Hobbit? 
any allegations that we do or do not know someone that pushes in canals is can either be confirmed or denied. <laughs> so, right, are we done, boys and girls? I think yeah. we're done. Right, so, uh, stay spooky, people. What, no unsolved pit? Oh, gosh, we've gone into extra time, yeah. Well, we no can time do. Right. Do, you really, you des do you desperately want to do some unexplained well, mysteries, Hobbit? I saw a Fortean story about a Brazilian woman had to be hospitalised <laughs> because she was too embarrassed to fart in front of her boyfriend. Oh, yeah, what <laughs> happened? She had to go to hospital because she wouldn't trump. <laughs> oh, no, a bit like that yeah. other woman. Oh, God, yeah. Oh shit! Oh, there's one right up your street here. Cancer. There's one right up your street here on unexplained mysteries. US UK government once wanted to use dolphins to hunt Nessie. Oh yeah. Well, According to reports, than... Margaret Thatcher's government once planned to use trained dolphins to hunt the Loch Ness monster. What do you think of this one then, Ian? Mm, yeah, it would work, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. The bizarre claim comes courtesy of resurfaced reports based on declassified documents first brought to light some 20 years ago. According to the file, shortly after Thatcher had become Prime Minister in 1979, the government ministers had been involved in a secretive plan to borrow trained bottlenose dolphins from the United States, fit them with high-tech equipment, then release them into the waters of the iconic Scottish Loch in a bid to solve the Loch Ness Monster mystery once and for all. Never had Thatcher down as a cryptozoologist. <laughs> no, well, there you go then. <laughs> oh, are you but, um, dolphins, the dolphins are swimming in a line. Uh, if you see dolphins swimming in a line, that would sometimes, uh, sometimes give rise to uh, sea serpent sightings as one creature. Oh, because they do that synchronised bobbing up and down, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And to, and to all you vegans out there, dolphins are gang rape, are gangsters rapists. and rapists. <laughs> They'll even bum a seal. You know, this. and they can. They have been known to fuck each other in the blowhole as well. Yep. And try to get themselves off on people. And you know what they yeah. do for fun, don't you? They they get manatee pups and. And spear them, flick them to each other, and spear them on their snouts. <laughs> that's 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 swordfish, isn't it? No, no, it's uh, bottlenose dolphins. Apparently, they're, oh, they're, right. they're like they they apparently they can be quite cruel for fun. Yeah. Uh, do you know this one, Ian? The the haunted BBC micro, the the couple from Wales. Oh, I mean, it rings a bell. Yes, yes. Ken Wilson and Debbie Oakes. We covered on. that one. Didn't I? Didn't I took? Talks. Ah, oh. no. There was a big. There's, there's like a couple of stories about it, and I watched. It, I was really fascinated. But he was getting the stories from mm. the past and the future, and they turned out the houses on the ley line. So it's like, yeah, the the guy, um, the guy in the past has actually done it, and there was like he was done for witchcraft, and so yeah, no, it's a great story. Really well, apparently now, uh, even stranger still, Ken has also claimed the couple have been receiving messages from another individual, this time someone claiming to be from the year 2109. Yeah, um, th that one, they I think they call it, give themselves a number, like the 100 or something. Yeah. Oh, oh, what? Are, the are they still of, using no, the same the computer? Nine, isn't it? You're thinking of it. Are they still I, using I, the I, same BBC? Yes, I Probably think so, yeah. not. Uh, I think they getting are. it on their iPad now. 
But it was yeah. very interesting because there was like two people from the uh, Psychical Society who came to investigate, mm. said, no, it's a load of bollocks. Then the couple contacted the Psychical Society and said, well, um, there's investigators who sent over. Can we read their reports? And then the Psychical Society says, we've got no record of either of those individuals. We've never encountered them. So just two complete mysterious strangers, literal men in black, came to, to investigate this, this time-travelling um, messages. Strange. It, it is very strange. And we, can go sure into we... More, we can try and go and cover it more in depth at some point, because it is I a good think, case. Yeah, we yeah. didn't cover it in 14 words, but I did post it in the chat, because I mm. said, well, look, if you're interested in anything 14, yeah. watch these videos. And I, I did that last year, because I was really fascinated with the whole thing. It ties into one of the first episodes I did on this about electronic voice phenomena. Yeah. And where, where does the word Fortean come from, by the way? Charles Fort. Charles Fort. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Book of the Damned. Uh, Book of the Damned's really interesting, actually. We need to do some more readings from that, don't we, Obit? Uh, oh. Pentagon's UFO yeah. files include encounter with a werewolf. Have you seen that video of the birds crashing into the ground where they just drop out of the sky? In Mexico. Isn't that isn't that is that near a um farm? Uh, uh no, it's uh, no I don't think so. It's in Mexico, isn't it? I don't know. Ooh, God. How about, how about this one for all you arachnophobes out there? Pack-hunting spiders de detect vibrations and swarm their prey. So there's the an Anelosimus eximus, eximius, a South American species that can be found in colonies of up to a thousand individuals which work collectively to build huge webs measuring several metres across. In a recent study, scientists closely examined the behaviour of these spiders and found they were to, were to coordinate their attacks so that when large, a large animal strayed into their web, they were able to work effectively together to take it down. Uh, the colony has no designated leader, with each spider instead coordinate its attack, with the others using the vibrations in the web to choreograph a synchronised swarming process. Oh, Strange. Ugh. Spiders are fucked up. Like uh, I've seen a golden orb spider in Australia. Hmm. These huge webs and then these huge spiders. The male is like the size of a mite. Happy <laughs> one, God. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. And they have red backs, but they're not as big, isn't it? Red backs. Backs, yeah, yeah. You have to yeah. check under the toilet seat. Mm. No, I picked up a rock, and uh, when I was there, and there was a red. I I almost put my hand on it. It was, oh, a, red, it was a red Mummy back. In the, yeah. Oh god, mummified shark amongst amongst horrors found at abandoned aquarium. Uh, two urban explorers recently delved into the decrepit remains of a disused aquarium somewhere in Spain. The pair, a French woman known, known as whatever, and Judge Urbex, and an unknown male. Ventured into the old abandoned building to record footage for an urban exploration video on YouTube. What they found there since has generated a great deal of interest online. Uh, so they they haven't. It's unclear where it is. 
All of the aquarium's living spe spe specimens were most likely moved to another location when it shut down. The mummified re remains have endured due to the fact they were preserved beforehand, they're saying. They're saying it was a pervert preserved shark. Peculiar. Weird. Maybe preserved shark to do, to do, to do. Oh, apparently there's a new uh, documentary to unravel the mysteries of the Heaven's Gate cult. They were the trainer people, weren't they? Now, is it Heaven's Gate or um, there's another one? But Hale, is it Hale Bop and stuff? I think they're the, the ones, the, the, are they the eunuch ones with the trainers? Because they all oh, wear yeah, the they, same trainers, don't they? They were celebrating the return of Hale Bop because uh, Boards of Canada did uh, songs about Dave Koresh. No, this is uh, Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. Ah, Dave Koresh was something else. That David Koresh is uh, Waco. Hobbit. Ah, yeah. <laughs> right, so are we done, people? I'd say so. Yeah, right. Night all, stay spooky. Ooh.